What's up, guys, and welcome back. This has been oh, a long time, I think, since we've uh, we've gotten together like this, and um, so it's it's an extra special off-season version of Hero Recall today. I'm still going to call it Episode Eight because I like having you know numbers sequences, um, <laughs> especially in numbers because you know that makes sense, right? Uh, but then, yeah, I uh, I just there's been so much that's happened over this last couple weeks here with the off season of Overwatch, and I feel like I've been gagging to talk about it with people, um, but we haven't had any episodes lately. So I thought, you know what? Let's just like forget about like the the, the character based episodes for a minute. Let's bring it back to Overwatch League to contenders. Let's bring Keegan back in because he hasn't been with us since the first episode of Hero Recall, yeah, and uh, let's talk about some of this fucking insane shit that's going on. Um, so, as we all know, Overwatch is an anime, um, basically. Uh, the way that things work uh, behind the scenes has been... I think it's unraveled a little bit more recently, would you say? Like, what do you feel about, like, all the sort of rumors of there being no support for, like, the World Cup of this year? And, like, that's why they had so many errors with the recording. Do you guys see any of that stuff? I did not watch a World Cup. You didn't? I just followed the news. Again, I rarely watch the stuff anyway. I just follow the results. James said, James, before we started recording, said I'm the T-Mobile ad. Basically, I've got the... I, fun fact, I bought this jersey before the US won, and then they won. I was like, I'm keeping it. Yeah, um, I, I... For the record, everybody watching this, I think that the World Cup jerseys from this year were trash. Just so you know. <laughs> I do... I will say the production this year was real weird. I think I texted you, Tom, about it. Of like... Yeah. Because what, what was it? The Overwatch League had like them bouncing from game like nfl well, red zone style which was good but like overwatch is hard to follow in burts spurts and bits so and each channel had like you had contenders <coughs> you had play overwatch have their own games going on so i didn't know about that at first yeah I was very confused it was very it weird well, it, so here's the thing here's here's what i heard anyway like and i you know there's tons of rumors around this but here's what i heard was that essentially the world cup was not supposed to happen this year and it didn't uh and the reason why it happened essentially was Coca-Cola. Uh, there's a long story behind it. You can research it yourself if you really want to get into it. I didn't want to get too far into the weeds on that in this. But um, allegedly, like, they didn't really want to do it. But then they had a sponsorship thing. And they were like, you are going to do it. Uh, so then they kind of got this thing that was thrown together. And then a lot of uh, teams, I think, that came in from, like, Iraq and, like, some of the further out places um, had just the weirdest, shittiest time. Like, they would come here, have no training facilities, like, not have any practice and then like they'd get knocked out in the first game and then it would be like all right see ya have fun guys you know what i mean sorry you you know raised ten thousand dollars or whatever to be here but um so there was a lot of that and then also like the fact that they let the casters control a lot of the the actual broadcasts like uh uber was saying that a lot of like when him and mr x were on screen they were controlling that they were cutting between when it was just them like they fucked up so bad at one point there was double audio like the type of thing we would do when we started out on youtube like have, forget that there's audio coming from more than one source so there was like some really weird shit that went on in the world cup this year um that kind yeah, of had yeah. me nervous 
the other thing I didn't like was the desk was very unprofessional. Yeah. Because it's the same people from Overwatch League. And, like, there's some play there, and I get you're going to have some fun. But there's a lot of moments that I felt like if you're trying to get people into – I think I think Overwatch World Cup, like I do the World Cup for soccer. That's one of the few times people are probably going to watch it. Or right. the grand finals of Overwatch League will be the one time people find it. That's when you got to be in your A game. And I feel like – Outside production, I think production had a lot of issues, but I think also the professionalism of the desk had a lot of issues. I remember watching it. It was Golden Boy, Sideshow, uh, Reinforce, and I think Bren. And there was – I can't remember what specifically happened, but I remember going, oh, this this is not a good look for anybody right now. Is it and the Chuck E. Cheese thing? Like, no, it was the eating the food from different countries. They, like, shoved food down Sideshow's oh. mouth, and he couldn't talk. Like, Bren – like, I get it. They're friends. But yeah. I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see that part actually. That is weird. It was very much like I wouldn't do. Like I wouldn't. I kind of give them the same level I would like an NFL broadcast. If they want to, if they want to be equivalent to those people, their pregame and postgame need to be the same. And I think they did that with Overwatch League when they did like the halftime shows. Right. I loved how they did that. Um, I think those were done great. I don't know why they didn't do it. If it's money constrained or whatever, why they didn't do it for the World Cup, or maybe just because there's too many games going on. Yeah. Honest answer, but every time they come back to the desk, I always felt like it was weird. And Golden Boy even made a comment at one point. He's like, I'm going to kind of just skip over what just happened and keep going because he knew you could see a look on his face that he's like, that was not something that should have gone down on, on here. Right. So, yeah, that kind of stuff kind of. Felt bad or felt I weird. feel like there's a lot of that though with with Overwatch League and and with e- well, with esports there's a lot of weird shit that goes on in well, general. But a bunch of nerds for sure. But it's like so like I hear a lot about contenders teams lacking money and like you know finding it really hard to debate whether they should compete year by year whether they should come back. I mean we were talking uh, before we went live. Uh, XL2, uh, XL Academy, the 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 um, MYXL Academy team, uh, are not going to compete this year in uh, contenders, uh, and they didn't really give like much of a reason why. It was just kind of like it, they just wanted to take a break away. It wasn't really worth it for them. Um, me and James were talking about how like a lot of it could be just because it's North American contenders versus Korean contenders, and a lot of people are going to Korea where the best talent is. Um, but yeah, it almost seems like there's like Overwatch League is like where all of the money gets funneled, and then you have like things that suffer outside of that immediate circle. So things like contenders, things like trials, things like path to pro, things like World Cup, like they all suffer a little bit for the, the amount that goes into making the actual league work. And I, and I think that's partly because they have to establish the league. Like I'm a huge right. NASCAR fan, as you all know, and I think NASCAR has the same issue. The NASCAR Cup Series, to run a NASCAR Cup Series is like 30, 20 to $30 million a year for a car. The teams that are in the the Xfinity and the Truck Series don't have that budget at all, and like it shows. Like in the Cup Series, you have anywhere from one to twenty cars that are really good that can win every weekend. The Xfinity and Truck Series, you have one to maybe ten, maybe six. Like the truck is like six, and it's that funneling of money of like an organization who like Coca Cola or T Mobile or whoever's sponsoring them. Where are they going to get the most exposure? How much they're going to get for it? All that kind of stuff. And I think right. I think part of it is Overwatch League is starting to establish itself. I'm really excited for the playing in own cities and seeing local sponsors come on board because I think that's going to be a bigger way to kind of funnel those academy teams. Broaden uh, the horizons too, I think, for everybody. Because mm-hmm. if you can actually go to a live esports event close to you, then I think you're going to be more inclined to follow it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having having the contenders teams in the same cities as the Overwatch League teams is just going to help things better. Right. Like living in, living in LA is not cheap. 
and having people fly from China, from Korea, wherever, is not cheap. And then they're separated from their families. Like, I get if you go to like Philadelphia, still same thing. You're you're not, you're still away from your family. But I also think the support system with your home fans is a different feeling than when you go to L.A., where it's you know gladiators I, and that diet. brings up an interesting question though. And I was going to ask you guys about this. So like a lot of what we see um, or what we have seen, uh, and we're going to get to the, don't worry, we're, we're going to get to all the switches. But before we get to all the switches and this like fucking insane, uh, like there there really is no other sport on earth that moves their rosters around as much as an esports team. This is insane this off season with the amount of players that have moved already. But my, I think it's because it's not established yet, though. Yeah, that and also I think I think people are just scared of losing money in it. So I think a lot of them are just going. They're like, so there was one thing that we were talking about, and that was budget versus super team. So basically, like a lot of what people have been talking about is that some players or some teams and and their GMs and everything are going for a budget model where they're just trying to like <laughs> save money where they can. They don't. They're not necessarily buying in that many new players, or they're investing in players that have potential as opposed to being proven already um and other teams are going the opposite way they're just like we have comcast the money yeah so exactly and we'll get to that like i said but but my question was what do you think about these uh these teams like so for example here's a player uh nero right nero plays for guangzhou charge he is the only Western player currently on Guangzhou Charge since uh, they've let go of Fraggy, and, and we'll get into that later. But Nero now has to live in Guangzhou for the remainder of the 2020 season. This is a guy who's from, I think he's from Canada or like the US or something like that. It's Western anyway. So like for him... Like, he's a solitary player that's going to be forced, kind of, to live in China to live out his dream as a player in the Overwatch League. How weird do you think it's got to be for those players that are, like, the one... like this, And that's the same over here, too. Like, with Stryker. Stryker is a Korean player. Kareev is a Korean player, but they're going to be in Los Angeles and San Francisco next year. So, what do you Kareev think about that? Kareev will be in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Not, <laughs> thank you. Toronto. Yes. Yeah. I've got to the switches. Can you tell I'm going to Toronto homestand? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So, like, so Kareev like seems to be like the only Korean player on Toronto now. Uh, so it's kind of... Roki's two-way, but we're getting into that later. Right, yeah. So it's it's weird. So my thought was like about this... This It's such an odd thing. But then it does happen in other sports. It's like, the same as you know. every other sport. Like how, right. many, how many Canadians play on the Toronto Raptors? Right, exactly. Yeah. Very few. And it's like... I actually don't know how many at the moment. The answer is zero, just so you know. And you travel to where the best teams are. I mean, if you you think about, like, you know... Teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid and stuff, like a lot of their players come from all over the world because they get to play for that team, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, my Premier League team has a bunch of, like... Mexico, people from Mexico, people from Portugal, people from, like, all over the place. So, yeah, and, so, and, if you're, and if you're good enough, though, in free agency, you choose where you're going to go. Like the LeBron James. LeBron James is from Ohio. He played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right. Well, he wanted to go to L.A. because there was a bigger market for him to advertise himself. And I'm, I'm excited because I think, again, having I'm curious to see what the homestands are going to look like, like, right. all season long. Because I think it's a big opportunity. But I really think it's a big opportunity for players outside of... Uh, making money from the teams from endorsement deals. I'm curious what they will do, like the bigger markets like LA, Toronto, versus like, I don't know how big the Guangzhou market, it could be astronomical. Houston's probably not a big market for advertisers outside, but like, 
Los Angeles is going to be a big I mean, place for advertisers. Houston did get HEB, Texas, which is apparently a very big chain. Texas of and Los Angeles being the only two teams, I believe, that uh, only two teams that have two teams per area, right? Mm-hmm. There's nowhere in in eastern on the eastern side that does that, is there? I don't no, think Europe so, doesn't right? have that many teams in general. Yeah, so it's yeah, so yeah. it's um, well, Los I mean, Angeles I mean, China, and yeah. China technically, but China, I don't know Chinese. That's a that's a country versus a state. Yeah, Hangzhou. I mean, uh, Guangzhou, uh, Shanghai. Um, I don't know Chinese geography that well. By my terms, Toronto, New York, Boston, and Philly are all pretty close, but that's by Mm. Canadian terms. So (laughs) everything's really far away for us. So before we get uh, too deep into like the actual uh, roster changes, which I think are the most exciting thing to talk about, I do want to talk about just some of the changes in general, like what's new for the 2020 season, right? So we just Mm -hmm. talked about some of it there, the fact that there's going to be a lot of home stands. Uh, Each team has to host at minimum two. Um, Some are choosing to host far more. which makes you wonder, you know, how profitable those things really are. Because when they did go on, they they went really well. Like the Dallas one, the Atlanta one, they went fantastically. Um, so I guess I there must be money there. it's a facility thing. It's right. a, having a facility to be able to do it. Because you, do you, have you don't want to sell, sell an arena that is only going to have... 3,000 people, and it's going to look real empty. Right, but then they also have, like, so with Philadelphia, for example, Philadelphia next year, they are hosting three different um, uh, homestands in three different areas, and none of which will be in their actual stadium stadium that they're building. for construction. Right, exactly. So there's, so, like, a lot of people are having to just kind of, like, find venues uh, until they can, you know, figure all that stuff out, so. Um, But, yeah, two conferences, Atlantic and Pacific, two divisions in each conference. Um, They are only going to be playing on Saturday Sunday. No more Thursday, Friday games, um, which I thought was interesting. I think is smart, especially Mm. depending on if they're doing time zone things. Freaking late, some of them go. Although I think Toronto's ones will be ending pretty early. Toronto starts up at noon. It's going to be very, very weird. Like, like actually having to stay up to watch a match in China or whatever. You know, it's kind of. But it's it's no. I I think as American. And Canadian, as Western people, we're we've used been spoiled. to like, being about, spoiled. Think, yeah, think, I, yeah, think about people in Shanghai. Think about people over there. Like China is the, obviously the first, furthest east I they mean, have. But it does like, say start times will be local to market. So yes. I mean, yeah. Yep. Anyone who's followed F one is already fucking used to this. Twenty eight <laughs> matches saying. per team. Uh, there will be a mid-season all-star event this year. They're doing that slightly differently. Um, which I thought was kind of cool, actually. They're going to have like a mid-season like thing, and then also uh, there's going to be season playoffs, no stages, uh, so no stage one, stage two. Stage, it's just going to be the whole thing. That makes me happy because I hated the stages. I was not a fan of that system. It I will was, say, like, yeah, weird, overhyped. Like you want a stage championship? Congrats! Yeah. It means right. basically nothing. Yeah, except for prize money. It was yeah. weird. It was weird, but yeah. I mean, I guess it's bragging rights to some extent. It, it built the hype train. Uh, I mean, it, Shanghai winning stage three was kind of cool. Let's let's not deny that. That was very true. But very it kind of also heaps too much expectation onto them after. That's oh yeah. True. Uh, Atlantic Conference is split into North and South Division. Our North Division is going to be uh, Boston, London, New York, Paris, and Toronto. It's a pretty exciting division, I think. Right? It's a pretty good one. Um, I think. Who do you think has got got the worst of it there? I mean, I think it's obvious, but someone say it out loud for me. Who do you think's got it worse in that bunch? Knowing um, the roster changes as they are now. 
I don't know the team. Say them one more I'm time. Going Boston, to say... <laughs> Boston, London, New York, Paris, or Toronto. I'm going to say that Boston and I still think Paris, even though they have had some good pickups. I, I still my, think Paris. My gut be. was my gut was Boston with it. Boston <laughs> is. I think the team to, let's be honest. I think Toronto's team to beat. There. I think to, well. With New York? I don't know. I don't know. Because here's the I thing. I think Toronto's the team to beat. Let me explain I why think, I don't I necessarily agree with you on that. Okay? <laughs> wait wait for me. And I know that you support <laughs> Toronto, James. So I, I've thought about this. So bear with me. <laughs> I've and thought about you, this. You can relate to this as well, Keegan, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, draw inspiration from uh, a recent event that you have watched, which is the World Cup. Toronto mm-hmm. uh, is an currently with all the changes that have happened an all-star western team so mm-hmm. it's like uh like every single player on there is a western player except for karif as we've discussed and and, Roki. and yeah and they're all like actually i think they might have let that dude go um no Roki's two way he's oh, in montreal oh, nice. montreal toronto i'm pretty sure so everyone else there though like sure for agilities like all these guys like they're all like famous as being like superstars in the west so but do you remember the, the situation with the Canadian World Cup team this year? That World Cup team... I blame XQC. Well, we can we can do that, but I don't think it's necessarily XQC's fault. That's a stacked team. I do. That's a stacked team, and XQC wasn't even playing for the first couple games, so we can't blame them for everything, right? So, so that team drowned because even though individually they're all very talented uh, and obviously have a lot of money to pick up the amount of players they had, as a team, they didn't gel at all. So I think I think Toronto may be a case of too much money and too much name dropping and not necessarily enough teamwork, which is something that San Francisco have proved you do need regardless of talent, although they do have talent as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think of it more like the Philly, Philadelphia Fusion the first season. Uh, Remember the Fusion were a bunch of great players from all these different super backgrounds. Super mixed roster. Most diverse roster. They, they started off pretty good, but I don't think anybody would say they were probably one of the top teams in the league. And then they came back and once they, it clicked, I mean, obviously having Carpe always helps, let's be honest. Right. Um, but I with say QO always, and all but... that, well, not always, but a lot of time. It, he can he can carry a fight. Not this season. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I think that's going to be one of them is like, if I agree with you. There has to be chemistry there, but I think if they can make that gel, they mm-hmm. are a team that is oh, yeah. scary. If they do make it gel, it'll be very successful. But I think so. Um, again, we haven't really gotten to the switches yet, which we will do. But I wanted to go over this briefly first. London uh, has let a lot of players go, and no one really knows what their team looks like just yet. Although it does look like they're going for kind of like up and comers, like more so the budget model that I was talking about earlier. And then, of course, Boston. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're gonna uh, have as much success. Although I really hope that they do, because I think um, some of those players really I, deserve it. I hope they do, but I have no trust in Huck knowing what he's doing. I think he's a complete idiot. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that. I'm gonna put that out there every time. Huck is a complete idiot. That's I just feel like Robert Kraft. So if Robert Kraft loses, who's the owner of the Patriots? I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've got against him. So let's talk about Basically, South Division. Or do you want to go into a new Huck team first? owner and a new yeah. person to replace Huck? And I'm good. Anyway, all right. So South also, Division, Atlanta Rain. Florida Mayhem, Outlaws, Fusion, and the Justice. Pretty stacked uh, as well. Now, I would have said previously that Florida would be the team to be the most nervous in that, uh, or Justice. Uh, In this case, though, not so much anymore. Outlaws are actually the team I'm most concerned for on that division. And once more, that's Atlanta, that is Mayhem, that is uh, Outlaws, and Fusion and Justice. 
What do you think? I mean, obviously, what's the question? <laughs> which <laughs> one? Do, which question. ones? Like, so, like last year, we would have laughed about justice in Florida, right? Because they were kind of sucking in the goats meta, and then after the goats, kind of. You know, when it's merry way, suddenly players like Saya player, players like Corey, they were popping off left, right, and center. And, and right, exactly. So, like, Florida and Justice sort of started to look really tight at the end there. Outlaws, however, have like been kind of fighting tooth and nail. They're one of those teams that you look at their roster and you think, like, these guys. They have a really good team, but for some reason, they can never really, you know, put a. You, you also a run must in. consider, though, the coaching. Right. They have a brand new coach. They do have a brand new they coach. They have a brand new coach who's primarily, like, they, before it was, I think their coaching staff were both Korean, and they had one Korean player, which I don't, like, I think it was a bit of a language barrier, perhaps. Cultural differences might have affected them. Because last year, I think it was the coaching almost entirely. They just never, the team never looked like they had a decision on what they were doing. And they do you, kinda... uh, do you want to tell everyone who their new coach is? Harsha. Harsha. Harsha, previously Ooh. the coach of Vancouver. Well, not the coach, but one of the coaches. One yeah, of the coaches for the Vancouver. Coach. Oh, right. It was. Right. So everyone I think uh is pretty impressed with Harsha. So that you know, that that they do have going for them. Outside of that though, I don't know. Um I'm worried for Fusion to be honest, although looking at the team they have put together, I think they're very much in contention. I so. think I think this is probably one of the more competitive mm. conferences. Yeah, divisions, I, I agree. divisions. Because it's it's one of the ones that sucks because obviously the team I want to win is in it. But like <laughs> I I look at this as like again, I'm gonna compare it to baseball. You have the uh AL East, which is the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh those are your five teams in it. And I think every year, obviously, Boston, New York are always really good. I think Toronto surprises people. I think that's what this division is. You're gonna have those teams that are really good, and you're going to have that team that's really good, but not as good as the other two. And like, you're going to flip flop a little I think, bit. I think, I think, I think this is going to be a division at any point anybody can take anybody down, which is scary because yeah, fusion's in it, and I'm a fusion. Fan. But we're a scrappy team, so it's okay. Yes, and you guys got fury. That is true. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Pacific Conference East Division. Uh, starting with Chengdu, Guangzhou, Hangzhou, Shanghai, and Seoul. That's a hell of a division. So Chengdu Hunters, Guangzhou Charge, Hangzhou Spark, Shanghai Dragons, and Seoul Dynasty. Uh, this is definitely the hardest to pronounce uh, division. Yeah, of all the, the Chinese divisions. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's like... Actually, Chinese so, and Korea, I guess. That's going to be really good for games this season i'm thinking about seeing like dm versus profit i'm thinking about seeing like a ming fighting off against some of the other players like it's just that's a hell of a hell of an exciting division i think and i and i'm actually like i'm kind of like i don't care who wins i think everybody wins just from those teams fighting each other and us getting to watch it so i'm, I think I'm okay most, with that i think it's the most stressful division yeah yeah i think those teams are gonna put the most pressure on themselves which is why i think there's gonna be a couple of them that are gonna crack because they're gonna try so hard i mean let's be real the the korean players put a lot of pressure on themselves in general oh yeah they're amazing though like we've seen like obviously when uh vancouver came in last <laughs> season nobody expected them to be as good i think we expected them to be good but nobody i think expected them to be as good as they were out of the gate and it was just 
a crazy thing to see. But we saw them start cracking near the end. Like yeah. when when Goats went away, when three three went away, they definitely showed some weaknesses. So I, I think this division is going to be one of those ones where there's going to be a lot of pressure every game. Every game, I guess, in Overwatch League in general will have pressure. But I think these teams are going to put the most pressure on themselves, right. specifically the For coaching staff. And I think they're we're going to see the most changes within this division than any other one. And the West division is going to be Dallas Fuel, LA Valiant, LA Gladiators, San Francisco Shock, and Vancouver Titans. Uh, I feel Another bad shot. for Dallas. And Valiant. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, it's, uh, I mean, anyone that's stuck in the same division as San Francisco and Titans uh, is should be a little bit scared, especially for teams that seem to have gone largely for the budget model. Uh, like Valiant seems to have done this year gladiators not that stacked this year like they're kind of making a run with known good players that have had off times lately uh like bird ring right things now, like that the gladiators roster is shaz big goose oge ripa panker in space and uh, Bird Ring as well has been announced for them. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, this website was the latest one. So, yeah, so I think that's kind of... <laughs> you're okay there, bud? <laughs> Don't die. Settle down. Get a drink of water. It's not that serious. Uh, all right, so, so yeah, so West Division looking pretty tight. Um, but, yeah, that's that's how it's, it shakes down. So let's get to the actual meat and potatoes of the conversation here, okay? So there's a lot of important uh, dates to bear in mind that have happened in the offseason so far. Um, the first was September 30th. Uh, that was when teams could exercise players' contracts, negotiate contract extensions, or sign players from academy teams. That was when the start of that time period, and we did start to see some movement around then. October 7th was the next important date where teams could start submitting free agent player contracts and player trades to the league office for approval. And then November 11th was an important day, and that's today that we're recording. All players not under contract for 2020 season will become a free agent. So that happened today. Moving forward, the next important day is November 15th. That's when all teams must have at least eight players under contract. And June 15th, 2020 is a cutoff date to sign or trade any more players in the offseason. Um, so with eight players under contract by November 15th, I think it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of teams seem to be going for a 12-person roster this time around. And it almost seems like they're going for like two complete rosters. I think they're going for the San Francisco School of Team Building, which is to have two entirely separate rosters, uh, except for Rascal and, you know, those players that just play all the time, uh, Moth, but, like, two entirely separate rosters that they could put out at any given moment. And I think a lot of teams have gone for that. Some mixed, some more Western, some more Eastern. Um, so, yeah. So that's those are the important days to go forward. So... Let's get let's get talking about the teams themselves and some of the moves they've been making. So first of all, I want to start. I'm just gonna do an alphabetical order. So we're gonna start with Atlanta Rain. So the first thing that Atlanta Rain did was trade Funny Astro uh, to Philadelphia. So how much do you know about Funny Astro? He's a streamer, right? He is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very popular, very very popular streamer. Uh, he also happens to be um, one of the only people that has multiple accounts in the top 10 for um, the NA region. So he has about four accounts, all of them Lucio, uh, in the top 10 for the ladder in North America region. Uh, and he has gone to Philadelphia, so I'm not mad he about was, it. He was Atlanta Academy, I think, last year? Yeah, right? he was, yeah. 
Yeah, he was in contenders last year. I was like, I remember watching some contender match, contender message, matches with him in it. Yeah, but. he's solid. I think he's a, a definitely an upgrade over Neptuno um, as our main support for Philadelphia. Uh, it should be interesting to see him play alongside Alarm. Uh, Alarm being a Korean player and Funny Astro being very much an English player. Um, but maybe they'll run like Funny Astro and Boombox and they'll pick up another main support potentially to play alongside Alarm. Who knows? Um, so we'll see. Um, he's but- still have announcements to make right that they, is they true yep. it's more to come yep they've, uh, they've said they've got more to come atl academy did also make some more headway when they promoted hawk up to uh the main atlanta rain team as well uh they also released daco uh lots of rumors around that one uh, allegedly daco little bit toxic, a uh, little bit kind of, you know, argumentative and uh, wasn't really gelling well with folks. So uh, allegedly that was not such a sweet parting of ways with DACA. And then uh, Endlayer as well got released. Now Endlayer, that was a surprising one because everyone that's ever seen Endlayer play before he got signed to Atlanta Reign said he was one of the scariest DPS they'd ever seen in their life. Like this dude could one clip you with Tracer before you blink. Like insane he got signed to atlanta never really played and then they let him go so you do have to wonder like what they have in mind if they're letting go allegedly like one of the best possible uh dps on the market right now and not like trading him and getting money or anything for him. they just or literally just didn't sign him or there's something going on behind the scenes we don't know about i mean that's the other thing it could be true there could be that's... there could be some sort of drama that we don't know or maybe Hell, it could be a visa visa thing for some of these people. It sounds a lot like a Fissure situation. Oh, Fissure's so great. Fissure's all this, and then he ends up not playing. Like, he ends up having some problem with his team. Uh, And then they did, and then now, so that's all the official moves from Atlanta Reign, but there's two rumors I want to get into as well. So official moves over. Um, Those have all been, like, officially announced, the most recent being November 9th, which was N-Layer. And then, uh, so the the big rumor currently is that the Atlanta Reign have signed uh, two DPS players, Sharp um, from Team Envy. That's Sharp with a capital P, if you've ever seen his username. Very, very good DPS player. And then uh, Edison from GC Busan Wave. Uh, for the 2020 season. Both of those players are supposed to be joining Edison and Sharp, two of the, again, most sought-after contenders, DPS players. Um, weird, because they, they let they let Enlayer go. Follow me on this journey. They let Enlayer go. They signed mm-hmm. Sharp and Edison, but they already have fucking Baby Bay. They already, like, they already have, like, a pretty DPS-heavy roster at the rain right now. So, like, what? why are they just bringing in more and more DPS? Where's the tanks? Because Baptiste is going to be a DPS player now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with this with this new tweak. That's weird. I don't know. I just it's yeah. it's a I don't know. It's bizarre. But then um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about. I think I, I think though Atlanta Reign's always been DPS heavy. Like they've always had the DPS star power. Think of them with uh, Defran as love or right, Defran, exactly. Defran was definitely a ticket seller and a jersey seller. Yeah, and they're but. still selling Defran jerseys. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Um, okay. And so what I want to talk about, though, is uh, the possibility, and this is a hardcore rumor, potentially starting it here as well, because I, I didn't actually get this from anyone. It was an assumption that I made. which he got it from his brain. I got it from my own noggin. And that is that you may remember recently there was a trials team. Uh, they were called Revival. And Revival picked up two very, very popular female streamers, Aspen and Fran, uh, to join the team. And immediately, that's like enough star streamer power for them to start selling t-shirts. Within a week, 
of announcing that those two pickups for their roster, Fran, left Revival. Now, if you were a streamer, a Twitch streamer, that got signed to the same team as one of the most loved streamers out there, Aspen, um, who's like now with you know Cloud9 and all, all that other stuff, mm -hmm. what on earth would make you leave that team? It has to be a better option. It has to be a better. So it's she either was, well, contenders. She was with last year. She, no, she, she was, was a streamer a for Atlanta oh, yeah. Ranch. She didn't play for them. So, so with so so it has to be either a high level contenders team or Atlanta Rain. That's that's all it can be. So, or, or she got a sponsorship deal to stream more. Yeah, I mean she's already always, like getting she paid was, by Atlanta she, Rain to do that though. Like she's got counter, enough money there. To counter there. what you said before, like she before was saying, "Oh, I don't think I'm going to go into competitive right now." After Aspen made her announcement, then she did sign for a team. Now she's off it. So I'm thinking she might also just be having second thoughts. You think I she mean, may have think, just backed think about, out of it? Think about what Defran did. I mean, Defran stopped playing because he didn't enjoy it. And I think a lot of these streamers. The competitive scene, and I tell people, I, I joke with, like, when you watch, Bertrand's been watching Overwatch League because he's trying to get better at the game, and I go, Overwatch League is different than ladder games. There's a very big difference in how you play, how you prep, obviously the time invested. These streamers play hundreds of hours of this game, thousands of hours of this game. People who play competitive play thousands of hours of this game, but I think there's way more pressure on you to be a competitive Overwatch player than there is to be a streamer. 100%. And do you think you would be scared to potentially go competitive not like it, have to come back to streaming. Here's like, the thing, though. Is it, what could you, so, for one thing, there's a precedence, right? You just said it. Defran. Defran. Was the precedence. They hired Defran because he was a good DPS player, but he was a ladder player. He wasn't a team player. No he, one had ever played do, he, in the team has, with Defran. He, he has competitive history. He did in other games, but not in this. Yeah. So, yeah. so they picked but up Defran mostly for name recognition alongside skill, right? So well, yeah. it would be kind of a similar thing. Think about how many Fran jerseys they're going to sell if they sign her. I I agree, but I also but think, for, but from her personally, I think it's it's would be it would be. I feel like she would be up, be up for it. I feel she'd be up for it because then she would. What would she do? She'd do what DeFran did. She'd just step I, back down again. But she's I'm, a female. That's I'm something. Not, to take I'm account. not sure. I'm not sure she'd be up for it so much, and especially like. I think I just Aspen to me seems more competitively minded. Fran seems more streamer minded to me. So Aspen being a streamer, but also like I think she's transitioning more into the competitive thing. I think Fran maybe is just I think she's not ready. Plays out, but I I don't think I think she's having second thoughts about the whole competitive thing. I, maybe. I also I also she, think before it was already having second thoughts with her, with her being a female. If it goes badly, people are gonna say. She couldn't put, couldn't be held up to it. She couldn't. She didn't. Couldn't take the pressure. You think there would be Defran. extra pressure on her? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think there will be. Versus Defran was like, "Hey, I'm gonna step away. I, I just wasn't cool for me. I I just want to do my own thing." Right. I think if she did that, it would be the because we know how toxic gamer culture can be sometimes. I think it would. Mika Gurry had enough well, of it when she came in. Can't yeah. play in Overwatch League. Yeah, yeah, and there was a segment I think so. that they did with Gagari during the season last year where she's. She, I think she basically said stuff like, "I'm playing for all women out there." Can you imagine that pressure? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, a lot of people accused her of cheating when she started because they they didn't think a girl could have that good an aim. You know, I mean, that's just it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I thought it was a juicy attempt at a, a rumor, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, all oh. right. So let's move on. I, we got a lot to cover. I, I'm 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 moving on. Boston Upper. Okay, so here's a team that just <laughs> October 21st let go of, hold on to your hats, Kellex, Aim God, 
Alamo, RCK, Persia, and Stellar, and then traded Blase to Houston. Uh, they, they essentially gutted most of the team. There's not really except, many people left. They got rid of everybody except for Fusions True. and Color Hex. Yeah, Color Hex and Fusions, I think, arguably the two start standout players from Boston last season. Uh, Blase was underrated. too. Blase was too. Kellex is underrated. A lot of people like Blase. Do we know Fusion's contract? Because he started out as a two-way player, and then there's a whole controversy. They signed him. No, 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 not not that question, but from a monetary standpoint. So when you sign a two-way contract, I guarantee you get paid less than if you signed a... I'm pretty sure they signed him to a full contract to avoid... Yeah, they canceled the two-way. But what I'm I'm saying is they signed him to the full contract, but I guarantee he was probably cheaper than some of these other people we've named that they got rid of, which is why he's staying. That's true. There's no budget... They're keeping the guy that's good at a cheaper price, and then when he thinks he can get paid oh, more, he's going to try and go somewhere else. You have to. You have to also, which is agreeing with your point here, Keegan. Who is their manager? Huck. He's always looking for money. He's just trading mm-hmm. people to get money. That's why I, mm-hmm. I swear to God, that guy does not care about the team's competitive record. He just cares about making players look good so that he can get money for them. He's the <laughs> owner of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. That's all like, he does. He's, he's just looking to get it back. Do you, you know one, there is one story, a couple stories that are sad in that in that list of names that I rolled off, though. Like, Kellex got picked up. We'll get into that later. Aim God got picked up. Alamo, poor guy, came in towards the end of the season there and then didn't really get to play much and then, like, already cut. What about RCK? That guy's got to feel pretty RCK bad, right? RCK got done so dirty. He's got to feel pretty bad about that. So he, he swapped with some- Note, you know, between Dallas mm-hmm. and Boston. They swapped. Note got re-signed to Dallas. RCK did not get re-signed. Do we know why that swap, ha- swap happened with that trade? Like, is there that any... trade, my theory uh, is that after the Fusions deal went bad, uh, Huck decided that he needed to get money for somebody and traded... Um, Traded note, and it's been analyzed as probably one of the worst trades of that season for both teams. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, because there, there's there's no logical reason for them to just trade those tank players because I didn't think one was better than the other. I, I think it's fairly. I equal. think that wasn't there an option that wasn't it like one was a trade and one was trade plus money. I feel like maybe I don't know if it was I, an even swap. I don't remember. I don't know. I feel All like there I was some money. It was a bad move for both teams. I, I don't know. I think I think uh, notes an upgrade over RCK mm-hmm. for uh, for Dallas. But RCK's flexibility would have been more useful to fuel, and notes consistency with the team would have been better for Boston. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, so, uh, and then Persia and Stella uh, as well. And then Blase did find his way to Houston, so they do have uh, him uh, next year, so that's going to be quite fun. With, they, Houston also has four DPS players. On the, on the 28th, Boston did announce two new signings, um, Myun Bong and Jerry. Um, so two Korean players. Uh, and, you know, interesting, you know, getting rid of a lot of players and then pulling on a couple Korean players like that. And then... Uh, November 7th, a couple days ago, uh, our good friend Swimmer and Mufin, uh, they moved up from the Boston Uprising Academy team and uh, joined the full roster. So yay for Swimmer and Mufin. And I'd like to say as well, Swimmer, uh, we kind of, like, not really know Swimmer, but like Swimmer hangs out in some of the discords we were in, and he seems like a really nice guy. So I'm super happy for him. Um, the fun story for you, his dad, Swimmer's dad, popped onto uh, the Overwatch League Facebook uh, group and 
Um, it's like, hey guys, this is my kid. He's signing uh, to the Boston Uprising. Does anyone else a parent of an Overwatch League person? And I happen to know um, so Zachary from Dallas, his mom, uh, Liz, uh, I know her a little bit from car trading. So I managed to get Liz to join the Overwatch, <laughs> Overwatch League group and talk to Swimmer's dad. So now I have two uh, D- uh, Dallas uh, Fuel and Boston parents uh, helping each other out with uh, being in the and Overwatch I, League. I think Zach's mom knows about bunch of the other Overwatch she's moms awesome too. yeah she does she was she was one of the moms in the segment on mother's day i'm pretty sure so. yeah raucous's mom's really big into it. super's dad is huge into into that stuff I super's think hydration's dad. mother was also mm-hmm. hydration's like, mom yeah so yeah so really happy for swimmer he deserves it he's been a consistent streamer consistent backbone of uprising academy uh good dude and of course mufin as well chengdu chengdu hunters uh nothing nothing at all no actual movement no rumored movement um which they haven't, I, done, I, they haven't done anything since signing leave have they no which you is interesting because they, they weren't good but they also were that weird ass team that played different comps than everybody else so right. no, they, they're like now that we're not doing three three now the they two 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 is a thing like, bad either though no, no they, they would contest Jinmu yeah. is kind of fucking nutty Jinmu is nuts Amang is, is nuts ball. yeah it's yeah they're a solid team i'm really Memphis excited to see ball. what they do um but uh dallas did make some moves so let's talk about those oge uh got traded to the la gladiators in exchange for a decay so that adds a very capable dps to dallas fuel uh and then adds a very good mate tank to uh gladiators do you think that gladiators signed og for skill or marketability probably a bit of both actually OG's fairly good yes Yes, I think he was mostly dragged down in fuel by fuel being fuel. Uh, <laughs> that's just so. I think he'll do good on gladiators. Um, but then they signed another uh, tank to replace OG, uh, everyone's favorite uh, Gamsu. So Gamsu, which from you this, know this partly, partially makes me sad because I really liked him on Shanghai just because he was such it was such a good story yeah. with him going over there. Like I'm a big Gamsu fan, and like it's it, I'm excited that obviously he's he's still in the league, but I wish he'd there's, wish he'd stay with Shanghai. There's a rumor that people were circle cycling around that maybe Gamsu wanted to stay for North American team because of his dog. Yeah, that was actually one of the reasons, and it also makes sense because he's back with Note, and Note and him are good friends. They still mm-hmm. hang out. So yep. I, think I don't even think about a, that because yeah, they were together. That's actually a good move. So he might have signed for some of the silliest reasons as part of his consideration. That's probably not the only reasons, obviously. But like, a his dog Uni or Uni, I'm not sure which way he pronounces it. And Note, and now he has both those things. Gamsu has been satisfied, so maybe he's ready to pop up. Kapsu has been satisfied. Oh my god! All right, so so yeah, and that's kind of an adorable story. And you gotta kind of wonder about it as well, like if any of these Korean players like came over to the U.S. and started playing in Los Angeles and just fell in love with the place and didn't want to go home to Korea. You know, I mean, I, you know. I wonder how much harder it is though for a Korean player to play in the United States because of the visa requirements yeah. versus especially now. Because I don't because I don't know if you still need a visa to play in Overwatch League if they're playing in another yeah, country. I, I think they I don't know how. Do. That I, I know there was a bunch of visa issues with Hangzhou for a while because they, they had like, uh, was it Crystal got like stuck in visa hell for a while? Even uh, Sideshow. Well, Crystal was yeah. lying about that though. But there, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> he, like would just, he, was, he was purposely screwing around yeah. so that he could stay home. 
Uh, all right, so let's move on to Florida. Florida released Hagapen, Swan, Zephyr, DPI, and Rain. Uh, no signings as of yet, and no rumors as of yet. Florida actually. is a team that just strips themselves every time. They're like, we're no, we're just gonna dump everybody yeah, and see what happens. I mean, they did. They did say they, they were gonna go full it. Korean, and it looks like they definitely <laughs> did that. Uh, but then they let go of most of the Koreans. So who knows? Uh, Saya Player is still there, and I think Saya Player is really. The one consistent thing with Florida, who's been there for every single season and uh, always performed for them. So I am excited to see more Saya play, but I would like to see better players around him as well. I do think BQB was uh, good as well, do, by the way. Do we remember season one when Florida Mayhem would come out on the stage and they were the greatest walkouts yeah. <laughs> of season one? Can we bring that back, please? Like, I, I, I love the professionalism that's been happening Overwatch League, but I want those walkouts to come back because I loved seeing I, I still have, like, I actually do have a Florida Mayhem jersey, but you know who it is? Swoosh. Swoosh. Yeah. Because that man is amazing. I will yeah. say, I do really like Florida's, uh, like, Miami shirts, like the, the blue and purple vibe shirts. Those I, are sick. I don't like the purple pink. Some people say it's pink. Some people say it's purple. I think it's some weird, like... Just like not either. Maybe run eighties kind of. I have a problem detecting like blues and purples for some reason. I have no idea what it is. My eyes just can, are confused by that, and I get some weird vibe from that purple. That's just anyway. That's just a style thing. That's my eyes being stupid. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I think the superior pink is Spitfire pink. Weird purple Circuit. vibes. Oh, weird Spark purple vibes. That's but I, I'll I'll even show you guys what the superior <laughs> pink is right here. All you people of Mayhem jerseys, I'm sorry, you're wrong. This is the best pink. That's a salmon, isn't it? Or coral? Is that actually, pink? no. Uh, coral. Actually, no. Um, Tom. Spark has the best pink, but Spitfire. Has yeah, the Spark best has the best pink by far. I bought Bubble a Spark gum. skin just because it was pink. Bubblegum pink. Love it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about Guangzhou pink. Charge. So Guangzhou, uh, interesting mixture of feelings around this. A lot of I, these announcements. I like a couple. I like these people as individuals. I don't know how they're going to. Well, they're going to play as a team. So uh, they re-signed Rio. They re-signed Chara. They re-signed Eileen. They uh, re-signed Nero, who's the poor Western guy in China. Uh, they re-signed Shu. <laughs> They re-signed Happy. Uh, then, after re-signing all of these players, they let go of Hotba, Fraggy, uh, Only Wish, and Bishu. And Rise uh, retired, I believe. So, yeah. Hotba, poor Hotba and Fraggy from the ex-Philadelphia uh, crew, both of them uh, gone. And Hotba was good. Don't don't give me, like, Hotba I fucking hated on Fusion, but he was good on Guangzhou. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. He played well on Guangzhou. I think unleashing the DPS Hotba definitely was a good uh, idea. And I and I think he did well there. I'm really sad about Fraggy and Bishu. Like, free Fraggy again? I Fraggy got... Fraggy like, just keeps getting fucked Fra over. Fraggy does Fraggy's, not get to fuck. Fraggy to me is the reinforce of the Overwatch <laughs> League, where right. he just gets overlooked by everybody. Reinforce, we all... I think a lot of people like reinforce on the desk. I know I do. I think he's a little weird at times, but Fraggy he has a similar personality of just yeah. like, man, I, he's just a lovable guy. I want to give him a big hug. I'm like, I'm sorry. I think Frankie might be looking into coaching, though, maybe. Yeah. Like, didn't he coach Finland at World Cup? I don't know if he coached him, but I think you're right. I think his age is gonna is going to let him down a little bit here. It sucks to say it, but like when you're in esports, I think the age range is so much younger than traditional sports. Like a lot of these players, like they're done by the time they're 21. You know what I mean? Just because literally, like as you get older, your reaction times get slower and you get naturally worse. It's kind of weird, but I think that Fraggy is kind of at that place now where I don't see him as a starter. 
I do see him as either a really good pickup for a contenders team or for like a backup main tank, which which possible team could use a backup main tank right now. Uh, so, so, you know, that would be nice to see him back on on Fusion. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it makes me real sad. It does make me sad, but I think his age is gonna is gonna betray him a little bit. He, there. he got done dirty too. Fusion just straight up fucking replaced him with Sato, and it wasn't really an upgrade. Not <laughs> even a little bit. All right, so Guangzhou. His improvement was so big when he was on Fusion season one. Just saying, other like, other coaches from other teams were even saying it. Uh, the rumor mill, though, has a couple interesting things in mind for Guangzhou. The least uh, exciting one is that O2 Blast off tank Krong has joined them. The most exciting of which is that former Philadelphia Fusion support Neptuno is going to be their new main support. I, I, love, <laughs> I love Neptuno because it's Neptuno. Like, I love watching the guy in the World Cup. I love, I think Neptuno ha- was good. I think he is at the point where he needs to. Either kind of like Fraggy might be get into coaching or get out. Like I think he's, he, I, he's I think he's too toxic to coach. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of rumors around his toxicity, which have not really helped things. I think, but I mean, allegedly he did put in a really good showing at the trials for um, for Guangzhou. So uh, that's the main reason why they're looking at him is that he actually did gel really well with the other players, which I thought is interesting. Yeah, but that's when that's when you're desperate looking for something. When it gets rough and hard, yeah. you're gonna revert back to what you know yeah so so that's an interesting move i don't know i don't consider that an upgrade for them necessarily i think that may end up causing more problems than it fixes hangzhou uh, yeah. spark um have released revenge uh and they also re-signed <laughs> Bowser. so that's that's pretty much the only major moves they've made uh those are both today by the way uh i think a lot of them are going to end up re-signing i think gushway is a given at this point um uh the website I have says Godsby, Gushway, IDK have all been renewed. Oh, I must have missed that. Thank you. So, yeah, I thought uh, they had Bebe been as well. Yeah, Bebe. Bebe, yeah. Dora, Rhea. So pretty much the whole team and, is still there except for Revenge. what they changed. They had a pretty good year last year. They were, they were, like, yeah. they were like, a lot. Not, I didn't feel like a lot of people were talking about, but they were like third or fourth best for like a lot of the year. I think it's, be- I think it's because the Titans were doing so well at the beginning of the year. And then we're kind of at the end of the year, like they just got overshadowed by... What, everybody else. the meta really fucked everybody i think this this i mean i mean it fucked everyone in the first season if you think about it when goats sort of happened because it went from dive to goats between c well, between stages two and three right and season we one had, we also had the mercy meta for the beginning of it right so we had the dive meta and then that transitioned into goats around i want to say like mid stage four maybe mid stage no, three no, goats goats wasn't even a thing yeah. It, it definitely Ghost, was in four. Ghost was not. Ghost. No, it wasn't. It yeah, was. you know, you remember, yeah, the mercy. Yeah, the mercy. You, you remember? You remember when Fusion got into? I think grand finals, or they beat NYXL. They beat NYXL because NYXL. Like when we knew that we had beaten NYXLs, they panic switched to Goats. That's how we knew we won. Hmm. <laughs> because Goats was not established yet. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I remember snow well, fucking popping off on that. I just remember on Dorado, like, there was maybe a minute left, and they switched to goats, and I was, like, crying, because I'm like, we've won. They've, they're they're panic switching. Um, And then, on top of the switch from over to goats, when we went into the, the, the season after that, we had this kind of double shield meta that we're in right now, which is, you know, love it or hate it, we're in it, uh, which is kind of more open, I think, than... 
a lot of the other metas have been because I think a lot of the other metas like they, they they maybe had a little bit of switching around at the beginning, but they became pretty well established um, to be an exact six players. Like all of them were like, you I are playing. I argue that these. Dive wasn't really like that because you often saw on like control maps, you'd see McCree get pulled out and all these different fair, things. Fair, but on like on the Jones other maps, was it was very established. Dive was pretty much to begin with was tracer genji, tracer, tracer genji and then you had your uh monkey zen. and diva and then your zen and mercy and there well, was then you'd see like our lucy double sniper or, yeah. double you'd say you'd double, see sniper double sniper did, did pop you'd in there sniper, for you'd see widowmaker instead of uh tracer, for line of sight maps agreed so yeah. it wasn't as established as goats um goats so, was very established it was pretty much Goats or somber goats. With uh, double meta, sorry, double shield meta coming into play, though, they have this kind of situation now where you're seeing a, a mixture of like this May Reaper and then Doom Reaper. We've seen Hanzo making a resurgence recently. Like, there's some people are still playing Sombra. It's been very, very weird uh, I recently. I find it interesting that during the metas, that the only thing that really ever changes is DPS. Your tank and your healers tend to be the same. Diva's kind of dead right now. Uh, And Diva was previously in everything. Let's talk about Houston. Uh, Outside of uh, signing Harsha as the team GM, Houston Outlaws have released Arhan. Uh, Arhan, one of the old guard from the uh, Korean uh, contenders teams. And then uh, Hydration uh, from the Gladiators got pulled in. So Hydration. Uh, The one thing we don't really know about Hydration yet is exactly what he's going to be playing. Um, because Hydration is one of those gifted players that can play fucking anything, like Rascal. So he could be DPS, he could be a tank, he could be a support, who knows? You know, they're going to throw him wherever they want to, and he's going to fill that gap. They did re-sign Boink, uh, and they acquired Blase from Boston, mm-hmm. and then they released Bonnie uh, as well. So uh, I actually thought Neptuna would be going to Houston, so I was surprised when I heard the Guangzhou. Sure. Ottawa boy. Sorry, Bonnie's Bonnie's from my hometown, so Bonnie Bonnie is best well, boy, and Bonnie is gone, unfortunately. Um, we wish him the best, though. I hope that is he it weird that whenever I hear the name Bonnie, I immediately think of Lucio. <laughs> like that's immediately where my brain goes is Lucio. He actually did it's play like, a like, lot of Lucio. People know, knew him as a Mercy, but he actually did yeah. play a lot of Lucio. He transitioned pretty well. I think Neptuna. Let's be honest, just because Battle Mercy. Uh, okay, London Spitfire. So one of the more controversial off-season <laughs> team choices. Uh, and the reason James is laughing is because he decided to be a London Spitfire fan right before their whole team left. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Nuss, Guard, and Birdring were let go. Then Gesture and Profit were sent to Soul Dynasty. They did sign Bernard and Fuse from Fusion Academy, and they traded Fury to Fusion. Uh, and then, and this this is brand brand new. Last couple days stuff. They haven't even put this on the official page yet because they haven't said it officially. They released it in weird meme videos. Uh, but they signed uh, Gen G DPS Glister and JMac is also from LGE Huya. Uh, he's a very very good main tank. Great positioning, deep hero pool. So good main tank and uh, Glister, definitely one of the most sought after, probably the second most sought after uh, DPS player uh, outside of Sparkle uh, as a pickup. So Also notable for London is that they actually have a head coach now. True, true. They have a head coach now and um, they, all, they have a head coach, they have an assistant coach and I think they also, I think their manager is also a former Fusion related person in Hunmaru. Oh, nice. Kumru notably being a streamer for Fusion at one point. I think he's a manager now for Spitfire. He's assistant manager, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about London for a minute, though. 
Because, I mean, this was the first one that everyone was like, oh, shit, boys, F5 season's in full effect. And that's when they had the profit and gesture news when they both sent those off to Seoul. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the reason why profit and gesture signed for Seoul is because they want to be in Seoul. Uh, or or they got offered more money. I mean, yeah, they would have got offered more money. But let's be honest, like... If you're a prophet and you're basically like the bell of the bull as far as, you know, people seeking out players, you're you're renowned for being literally the best DPS on the planet. And then you're with your like longtime teammate gesture, who's also renowned for being like an incredible player as well. Then you pretty much can command anything you want from wherever you are. I think. I think I, I do think that maybe London didn't have enough money to keep him, but I do think that there's more that went into his decision to leave than money. Oh yeah, money. I agree. But I think I think the reason London's roster did what it did is because they just couldn't afford it. Yeah, I think partially that and partially localization. Because again, it was the whole Korean team. Is the whole reason I wouldn't support them from the bat, not because they were all Korean, but because I wanted to support English players, so I supported Boombox instead, uh, and I'm still with them. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, I think Glister and J Mac is huge pickups. I uh, I do think letting go of Fury was, I mean, great if you're Philly, not if you're London. Uh, I do think Bernard is an excellent tank. I do think Fuse is good too. So I don't know. I mean, they let go of a lot of just like world renowned players. players. Yeah, world yeah. renowned. Uh, and then they picked up a lot of like good but untested players to me this feels like again i'm gonna use sports analogies for other teams but this feels like to the team that tried to make the run to the championship didn't quite make it and they feel like they didn't have enough of the right pieces in place that they kind of have to rebuild instead of reload right um i think that's kind of where they're at it's like they i don't think they were missing that one thing i think they're missing a couple pieces but they're the pieces that they were missing last year weren't far off from winning the championship. If that right. makes sense. And it yeah. also feels like some of their star turns, like Bird Ring, and were kind of just fading. Like, I don't feel like... Fury, definitely not. Just some of the metas were in his favor this year, so I don't think I'd put it on him. Profit was probably thrown off by the whole Goats thing. Yeah. You know, because Profit's still nutty. Um, but I, I feel like there were other things in the team, like, support line Bedosian's still good but i don't know if he's really as good as he used to be and there's just a bunch of stuff going on i feel like they were just like why continue with this right. and they they might be i think with the, all these new people they're probably getting they might be a bit like a spark situation where it's like these are probably some of the best people you've never heard of right, right. <laughs> and they could be they could be like doing really well next year so we really don't know what to expect i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens i i do i think like they have got a korean roster again um with glister and j mac on there they still have Bedosin on there i think they're going to go for the full korean roster again um but yeah it should be interesting to see and bernard fuse as well uh so los angeles gladiators uh they traded hydration intriguing of all the things that has happened well i don't know there's been some crazy ones i think toronto is one of the more interesting ones oh uh, uh, yeah that's true. I forgot about so them. gladiators <laughs> uh they, they evolved the gladiators they traded hydration to houston uh they yeah. released roar uh who has been picked up since uh rumor by the way uh they have re-signed shaz and big goose uh of course i had to re-sign big goose and then uh they signed space um in place of roar and then they traded decay for og and they signed Bird Ring. Those are the official moves you missed, been made. You missed, I was going to say, you missed a big one, bud. What's that? Good old Surefour. Yeah, Surefour left. Uh, yeah, and he went to Toronto. Uh, Rumor-wise, 
Uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators have signed former Mayhem Academy and Revival support Paintbrush and DPS player Mira from Boston Uprising. Mira, nutty DPS player. Um, but yeah, no, I missed Chauffeur. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I, I'm not going to blame myself for this. I pulled these stats from the official Overwatch play page, Overwatch League, but Chauffeur left your fucking team yeah. on there. So people who are doing I, uh... podcasts don't look silly. Can I just can I just say that I want to become an Overwatch professional player just so I can pick a weird ass name? Right. <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. I don't know what mine would be, but you know. I already know what mine would be. Didn't uh, who is it? Oh yeah, Beast Halo changed his name recently, didn't he? Changed it he to just, Beast. It, it's just Beast now. Yeah, it just goes by it's Beast, just now. Beast now. It's Mr. Halo to you. So um, the Gladiators <clears> to me, I, I feel like they've they've retooled some of the things they lost, but I also feel like they're not gonna be the team they were last year and i don't i think they're gonna have lots i, of I actually feel like og in space is a pretty good tank line their tank line is sick and their space support line is good is really good yeah. i think a lot of people overlook space i think yeah. their dps is the is the part to be worried about here unless yeah. mira uh pops off if mira or pops bird off ring. bird ring i'm 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 oh, not bird ring, i don't have much confidence and mm -mm. i think he's fading yeah I, he he had some injury at some point after that he kind of is just I, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. I, I love Bird Ring as a player. I think he's really exciting to watch when he does pop off, but I kind of agree. I don't, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, like undue pressure here. Think, not to mention the I, fact that he's going to be in Los Angeles again. So he's not going to be losing, home. You know. I think losing Shorefor and Hydration are big hits. Those are, they are. Those are for, big. You know who those are bigger hits for, though, than the Gladiators? The fans. The fans of the Gladiators mm -hmm. fucking loved Shorefor and Hydration. Mm -hmm. Those are the main two players that most of the hype was around. Both gone. Still got big goose, though. So, you know, there's that. Goose. Uh, Los Angeles Valiant. Uh, definitely one for the books. So they released Space, obviously. Uh, they mm -hmm. released Agilities, and they released Kareev. Uh, they signed Apply, uh, Ladder Monster, Dreamer, very good player, Lastro, and Slur. I am unfamiliar with either of those. Um, the Valiant GMs and assistant managers came into some comment thread somewhere because people were shitting on the Valiant for like getting rid of like a bunch of their, because think about it. They were one of the more kind of iconic teams in terms of their players. Right. I would, I would have said with well, agilities, yeah. Custa, you know, it was like a big deal. Also fact, fact fiction and McGravy are gone. Oh, they got kicked as well. Yeah. Fact Again. fiction is gone. Thank you for picking those up. Um, yeah. So, so what I heard though, uh, was that this team is well scouted for. So even though not many people really know what these guys can do, the scouts from Valiant apparently are seeing something that no one else is, uh, or at least that's what they're putting out there. They're, they're saying, you guys don't know. You guys don't know what we got until supposedly, you see it. Though, supposedly, though, the, the parent organization, I'm pretty sure, is also like doing COD. Esports and apparently mm. put a lot more of their money into that than yeah. they did for Overwatch League, so I think it might be. It's a big question. Budget move. Yeah, that's just one. Of, that's just one of the rumor things. I've I think heard. it's a budget move. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a budget move. But I think uh, it's interesting actually. Call of Duty are doing the same thing Overwatch League are doing with like the actual established like city teams, which it's I thought also, was interesting. It's also more expensive to live in LA and have to house players in LA. Oh, New York Excel. <laughs> October 8th, they released Flower. Poor Flower. Poor, he's, he's poor the Freddy Ado. He's, he's just... He's the Freddy Ado. He never got 
He never, never got to go to the ball, did he? Never got to be a corsage, whatever he is you have up here. Flower was definitely, he was really good at World Cup, but I think he also had a murdering thing. I think he got an injury, and after mm. that, he wasn't so good, like a hand injury. Yeah. And for some reason, he just never has really made headlines since then. I think so. that, I think that watching him join, did you see the playoffs match with CLB uh, talking to him? So there was a playoffs match. New York were playing. It was the one where they got kicked out of the of the playoffs um, for the end of season two, and uh, they brought in Flower after losing like a bunch of of uh, maps. And CyBLB had like been the reason why they'd lost a couple of them. But there's a, there's a, a, a like somebody some cameraman caught this moment where flower was crying like he was like like just fucking shaking like they they had his hand like in the shot and he was like just like shaking and then cybiolbi like grabbed his hands and like held him and saying hey you're here because of mistakes that i made and you know just do your best like he like put all this like put on this fucking coach carter speech <laughs> to flower and apparently you know flower felt a lot better after so now now i'm like flower is precious and we must protect him from all of the bad things in the world he's such a such a shame well, the, the, that they released there's him. actually it's really interesting it's called the yips i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it that's the official term for it but it's the yips in sports and what it is is basically somebody who has come out and has excelled really well but then when they make it to a certain stage they get basically stage fright and quote unquote forget how to play or right. have issues while playing and it's it's actually there's a psychological and physiological effect to it for a lot of people um some of it's in your brain but there is actual some people like their blood vessels will clench it's your top rib actually where it'll clench and make it so you can't feel your hands and wow. you can't have any sort of sensation which obviously when you're playing a tactile game or something where you need to right. feel what's going on makes a difference so that's i feel like it's it, i mean that may not be what flower has but it's it, <laughs> it's, it is a thing that's like no you're right it's aspect. a um, it's a very of that, I'm much, sure. Having it's so a, much pressure on you. Yeah, and and, and you know what? You. If he never popped off in that 2017 World Cup, then there's no pressure on him. No yeah. pressure. But he he kind yeah. of accidentally put the pressure on himself by just having the game of his life on Widow like multiple times. Yep. I would um, say anybody who cares, look up Rick and Keel from the Cardinals, Santos Cardinals. It's it'll describe the yips in a perfect. Uh, the other huge surprising release from MYXL was Mecco. Uh, Mecco got let go as well. Uh, surprising. They don't have a good off tank and, uh, they never picked up Fury, which was the big rumor was that Fury was going to MYXL, but no. Um, and I would arguably say that Mecco is probably the second best main, uh, off tank to Fury. So big loss there, right? There was a rumor I heard. I think it's a far-fetched one. I don't think it's true. But a lot of people have been saying Mecco might go to Outlaws, which I think makes no sense whatsoever. Mm, yeah. But I'm just putting it out there as a thing that I've heard. Interesting. I do not think it's true at all because he'd be the only Korean player and it wouldn't make sense. But that's I just would like I to see Mecco at Paris. I'd like to see him at Paris. I think that he'd do well there. Thing. I don't know if Justice is looking I think for he would, tank, but... but Justice could also be a place. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, Mecco should go somewhere. I expect Mecco to be show up somewhere. So I have like some super fresh off the um fresh off the press news as well. Like literally two minutes before we started recording, Halo of Thoughts dropped a uh, big rumor that New York Excelsior are promoting XL2 off tank Dang Wook Bianca Kim to uh the main roster. So they are getting an off tank. Um but it's gonna be from their their XL2 Academy team. Um so that's kind of cool. Speaking of Paris, though, uh, so Paris released Shadowburn, Danye, LH Cloudy, 
and Finzi. Uh, and then, and this still blows my fucking mind, signed the most, um, the, the most sought after player in the entirety of contenders, Sparkle. Sparkle renowned for playing Doomfist when you weren't supposed to be able to play Doomfist, right? Sparkle was just fucking nuts. And uh, everyone was convinced he was going to a Korean team. He was going to Seoul Dynasty. He's going to London. That's why they got rid of Profit. Nope, he's going to Paris. Uh, and he's going with Hanbin and Z. Uh, and I think the coach as well. Is, uh, they got a Korean coach right? as well. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, crazy like paris the team you think are going to be the most north american or like you know eu region based team uh signs a bunch of korean players again so i don't i don't know what happened there i don't know how much money they threw at him they kept soon notably soon um cra played crazy uh in the world cup and yeah, so Sparkle and Soon is a terrifying prospect. I don't think they'll be playing DPS at the same time, but if they did, I would be very nervous for uh, the opposing team. I feel like I feel like this is Shadowburn Swan song. I think he's gone. I think he's yeah, done with I his career at this he's point. He's had enough chances at this point. I think he'd be uh, again a great pickup for a contenders team, maybe. But yeah, yeah. but I think his his league days are over. Yeah, maybe to coaching. Um, with 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 Sparkle, I think it's interesting because again, there's rumors of obviously with the localization wanting to go somewhere where you're comfortable with, and I'm sure there's a lot of money that was tossed at him. But it's one of those things like if he's the one piece, because I, again, I think Paris is a good team. I think Paris has the ability to win it next year, and with this, I think lineup, they do now. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say with this lineup, I feel like they definitely have cemented their chances even more than what they had before. But I, I. I have a feeling that it took probably a lot of convincing, but I also think the fact that they brought the coaches in, that probably was a giant package yeah, deal that had to have happened. I, that's what I, that's exactly how, what, what I that's, think. How that's going to affect everybody else. I think that, Is this a LeBron James situation where he controls everything? I not? think Sparkle said, if you let this guy come with me, I'm yours. And no other team said yes to that. I think that's yeah. what happened. I think which they would won. Be, which would be real hard to do. It would be insane, you, but yeah, I mean, I guess they had fuck you money and they were just like, okay. We'll take them, <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, we just want Sparkle. So someone uh, overpaid quite significantly, maybe for a Sparkle. Uh, Philadelphia Fusion, um, they released Neptuno. Uh, and then they released EQO. And then uh, <laughs> after that, <laughs> they released Elk and Kib. Poor Kib, again, by the wayside. Mm. Uh, and then they re-signed EQO. <laughs> This was just a giant debate. The whole thing was just them fucking with everybody, I think. Either that, or he did shop around a little bit and realize that they were the I, best offer. I, I don't know. I think he probably did. Because I think, you have to remember, he came out with the Fusion, and that's kind of his first time out on yeah, the big stage. They were the and first I people to put was, him on. Yeah, and I think it, I think he was kind of to see what he was in the market. I would, it too, was, if I was him. It was so funny. I specifically remember when EQA came out the first time, like, what are Fusion staff doing? I have no idea who this kid is. And then after one map, I was like, okay, I get it. I get right. it. I get it. <laughs> they know what they're doing. <laughs> he was impressive, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I think that's what it was, is he hadn't tested the market ever before. Yeah, he didn't know so... What the value 
it, it was weird. I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of like, I'm kind of happy um, that he got to try that. I also think um, I'm super happy that he came back. And I am going to buy an EQO shirt in celebration of that as soon as they release the season three shirts. Uh, they also uh, promoted Alarm. Alarm renowned for being the best off support uh, on the planet behind Jonak and like Jaehong at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, so basically Alarm is, everyone has said Jonak 2.0 when they're referring to him. Uh, and he's been pushed up to the main team. Makes me sad for my boy Boombox. Do think that he'll probably take a back burner to Alarm. I, th- um, I think but, Boombox you know. is getting to the point where age is going to start becoming a factor. I think Elk didn't work mm. play out the way I think the team wanted him to. Yeah. I think that's what this all is. I think Elk was a drama thing, if I remember. I'm not sure, yeah. but I feel I like maybe Elk there was some drama there. wants to go to college, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is then, not, which considering how volatile esports is, is not a bad move at all. Yeah, like true that. everyone's like so sad for Bonnie, but I'm pretty sure Bonnie has like some sort of really fancy degree. He he graduated from the same. Year. He has. I yeah. don't think he's a doctorate, but I think he was in like some sort of biology thing. He actually has a degree from the same university I have a degree from. Nice. So look at that. <laughs> Canadians together. Uh, Funny Astro got picked up from Atlanta, uh, and then we also got Fury from London and Ivy from Toronto. Ivy uh, never really. Oh yeah, he never really got a chance to pop off that much at Toronto, but when he did, he's good. That boy popped off. So we have arguably now the best backline I think in the history of Owl with Funny Astro and Alarm um, I, I, and I'm sticking with that Fury the best off tank in the world uh, and then Carpe and Ivy um, and EQO is our DPS line uh, I, uh, the, <laughs> you know. the main the, the main tank is going to be that's the only part that scares me Sado here's, I want to love you I do but you make it hard Here's multiple things for you to consider, though. I think that they might actually have another main healer that they might be bringing in because Funny House are while good, mostly only known for Lucio. So True. I think they might actually have someone else in mind. Uh, B, we don't know if they have another main tank, but maybe they do because they still have announcements to make. Uh, other thing is, I think that Sato, partially a lot of people, A, he isn't as good as he was advertised to be, but I also think that a lot of people started hating on him needlessly and have been holding a sports grudge since since he replaced Fraggy. I do not think everything has been his fault. A lot of the times, it just feels like he got... Because he's the main tank. Main tanks are the first ones to get fucked over, let's be honest. <laughs> I think I think it was Monty, actually, who said it best. I think it was him. It, I, it may have been someone else. But he was saying how Sado is, like, undoubtedly one of the best Winstons on the planet, but the main reason why, like... Like the whole thing with him and Philly kind of always looks like like what are you doing? He just seems so out of sync with the rest of the team, and I think that's a communication issue. I think it's just it has to be because he like there would be times when maybe he was doing the right thing but at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Or like vice versa. I also think at some point, and I think this actually has something to do with Neptuno as well, is that uh, they just wouldn't give him the support he needed. Yeah. So maybe with, you know, a more uh, person that's, I mean, you think about like, like super, right? Think about on San Fran or even like bumper back on bumpers. Heyday. How many cooldowns were dedicated to bumper when he went off on one, like the whole of the Titans was just throwing like bubbles and heels and everything at him to let him do whatever he wanted to. Cause they knew he was going to be hyper aggressive. And I don't think that Sato has that kind of support from, uh, from boom and Neptuno that maybe he needed, but you know, alarm and fucking, 
fucking funny Astro? Maybe. Who knows? Um, we'll see, I guess. But, but yeah, I think it's a two-way <clears throat> thing where Rosado perhaps isn't as good as people advertise for him to be, but he's also not as bad as people say he is. Yeah. I think it's this two-way thing. We, we still have to see, though. He's the, he's and the he, might be, he might be freaking amazing if Fury is... Uh, if you have an all-Korean tank line who actually communicate together, that <clears> might <throat> be the thing that they're missing. Yeah. He's the Rick Schmitz of Overwatch League. Go look that guy up. NBA fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, San Francisco Shock are world champions currently. Uh, they only released one player this offseason, and that was Nevix. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they have a young core. They don't need to do shit. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they let's be honest. San Fran have probably, are, are the team that has it the most figured out at this point. Not just because they're world champions, because when you mm -hmm. look at their team, they have it figured out. They have two rosters that are perfectly in unison with each other. They have so many different looks and things you've never seen before. And they have Sinatra, who's like literally right. one they of the have, most insane players they on the planet. Literally everything. Let's think right. about it. They have not the only money from energy guys, as well. They have fan favorites. They have people that everybody loves rascal everyone felt so bad for rascal when he was getting moved around teams and then everyone was so happy to see him on uh, shock doing well Archie he's insane doing well yeah. violet and getting troy open troy open probably the other best troy. off tank troy, troy i actually think might be the best off tank. I, I think i think why the team works really well is their chemistry because if you think about it, i think we have to agree i think super and sinatra definitely get most of the limelight Choi Obin, I think, as James said, I think is probably one of the best players, if I will, not the best player on the team. I'll place but him Choi above uh, Mecco, by the way, in my list of off tanks that I said earlier. Choi Obin is yeah. above Mecco. But Choi Obin takes a backseat from a personality standpoint. So he doesn't, like, think if Choi Obin wanted to be right. the big personality in the league, I think that would cause a lot of strife in it. So they have the personalities that mesh well. Because I think right. my, my big concern with them is obviously Super and Sinatra are best friends, but. Those two could obviously feel like a click inside of this, and if they don't get along with everybody else, right. then you start having this rub going on. And I think that's what happened it's kind of, last year is it all clicked. Yeah, I, I, think I think the click is a good way to put it. Like, you can kind of see when it clicked as well. Like, you can see, like, Stryker, like, the way that he hangs out with Sinatra is, like, different, like, to how it used to be when he first came on. Like, he's very much more relaxed now when you see him. Uh, and I think when Stryker initially came on, there was this kind of concern that it was going to be, like, him against Sinatra for the starting spot. Like, it was going to be, okay, who do we put? You know, either it's going to be Stryker, it's going to be Sinatra. Whereas they did this just double lineup thing instead they're like fuck it let's yeah. have architect over here so not sure over here striker over here you know and i know you're an nba fan tom and most look at like nba championships most nba's teams have a six or seven man they can go to and i think san francisco has more than six or seven they can go oh, to yeah. but i think that's a prime example though of like those but those people are comfortable with those roles and not they're not there to steal the limelight because again i'm going to do an nba reference here because it's popped in my head but oklahoma city the Oklahoma City Thunder imploded because James Harden wanted to be the guy, Kevin Durant wanted to be the guy, and Russell Westbrook all wanted to be the guy. Those three players together will destroy any team. But those personalities didn't mesh because they all wanted to be number one, and they all wanted the ball. They all wanted to do the big play. And I think that's that's why San Francisco does really well. They have amazing players, but their personalities mesh so well together where nobody feels like like they nobody's overriding but, anyone else. Yeah, nobody right. nobody like. They led Super and they led Sinatra, and I think Sinatra even steps. I think Super has the biggest ego of everybody, anybody oh, in the Overwatch League. No, no doubt. But I think the San Francisco Shock understand that, and they they understand like to let him have that. 
And I think it, to their credit as well, they stepped back graciously because Super, when Goats was meta, I mean, Super was king, right? He was like mm -hmm. the, the you know, one of the best Reinhardts in the league. He's a Reinhardt specialist. But then when the meta shifts, you don't see very much Super. Like now again, now and again, they roll him out on the Orisa, but he's a Reinhardt specialist. So it's not quite the same. So I think he did really well at like taking that back step as well and mm -hmm. allowing other tanks that's, to step forward. That's what that. I'm saying. Like that's the team mentality versus the individual mentality. Correct. Like yeah. it's, it's amazing. Basically, <laughs> San Francisco has everything. They have, like I said, and you have to give a lot of credit to the staff. They clearly set up an environment. That and the owner. I don't know who that owner dude is that always shows up when there's a trophy to be held. But the owner guy for San Francisco, he's legit awesome. Like he's like, you know, do you know the guy I'm talking about? He's like 50, 60 years old. He's like always Andy, Andy there. Miller. Is it Andy Miller's other's name? His name is Andy. He Miller. owns Colors. NRG, right? He owns he owns he owns NRG and he owns the San Francisco Shock and the Sacramento Kings. That dude is insane. He hangs out with Sinatra like like whenever they're you know doing interviews and stuff like that. It's so nuts. Like he's such a nice guy. Um, anyway, Soul Dynasty. All right, let's talk about Soul now. Poor Soul. <laughs> Sol was supposed to dominate the Overwatch League before the Overwatch League was a thing. Sol was supposed to come in and wipe everybody <laughs> Sol up. Dallas. Because, Sol and uh, Dallas. Oh yeah, and Dallas. Uh, but they did not do as well. It turned out that New York XL decided to be Sol. And they dominated instead at the beginning. But Sol has now decided to fight back. In doing so, they have stolen gesture and profit from london uh spitfire uh two very 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 sought after players they've re-signed toby and creative toby solid uh support and then uh jexy has got let go they did bring wizard hyong back in um uh, they signed him to seoul so that should be good for the coaching side of things but it is worth pointing out that currently ryu uh ryu hong is not signed to a team and has Ryu not. And, and Zumba are the two that aren't yeah, signed. Yeah, right and that, and uh, but specifically Jay Hong is most yeah. people's concern. Uh, has not gone back to Seoul, and people do not think he will. There is a rumor of where he is going, and I will get into that later. But uh, he he did this kind of a stream where he basically like laid out kind of like what he would need in a team that if he wanted to go there. And he it was like there's this weird thing with Koreans and boosters. I don't know if you've seen this, but like there's a lot of players that refuse to play for a team that has anyone that was ever caught in the whole boosting thing where they were boosting mm -hmm. accounts on ladder. So like Fisher refused to play with boosters. Jay Hong refused to play with boosters, and then you have. Have, like it's we a, have well you have to remember two on our the, team in, <laughs> we have sato and funny astro honors honors <laughs> a big thing in the asian culture so for sure that's why. for sure that's why um but yeah so sato and funny astro being uh both being done for boosting uh on philly means that we're not going to see fisher or jay hung anytime soon that's okay though uh all right so oh. shanghai uh, Fury, so. <laughs> <laughs> shanghai released young jin uh very surprising young jin i thought put a hell of a performance on uh you know when he was playing i thought he did really well uh as a doomfist specialist particularly uh i do think that ding and dm maybe overshadowed young jin a little bit with their duo um because they did so well with the whole Farah widow situation uh there but yeah that one surprised me uh young jin getting let go and then also uh officially let go kalma uh the main support has been let go as well so uh are you ready for the rumor so here's the rumor. Lip, who's a DPS player from Blossom, Fletta, who's a DPS player from Soul Dynasty, Stand One, who's a main tank from Gladiator's Legion, 
Void, who you remember from playing for uh, Gladiators before, and Lee J. Gon, who is the runaway main support currently, or uh, whatever, uh, have all been rumored to join Shanghai. Uh, that is an insane fucking lineup of people. You, you know what's funny to me, and I think I said this, I can't remember if it was to you, Tom, or who it was to, is like, the Shanghai Dragons, the first season, were the laughingstock of Overwatch League because they didn't win a game. In the World Cup, China is one of the best teams out there. And I just find it interesting that, like, especially now that it's being localized, you would, you would think that they'd be able to get it figured out. But, I mean, you're also, when you, you play the World Cup, you don't have the best of the best on the teams together. You have whatever's right. from that country. So there is a little bit of a discrepancy in it. But I And don't I forget, just, you still have Guangzhou and Hangzhou Spark as well, yes. putting up Chinese players, too. Um, between oh, the three of them, then, yeah, they're pretty scary, for but, sure. But it's, I, just, I just found it funny that Shanghai was laughingstock, and then it's like, man, China's so Shanghai good. Shanghai also, yeah. like, completely redid their roster from season one. So when people oh, yeah. were like, when people were like, oh, yeah, Shanghai's doing good i'm so glad and like you realize that they have like maybe two people yeah, I, think the like, I think they have two total so they do you guys Gaguri remember uh do you guys do you guys think gaguri's gonna stay on shanghai gaguri's gonna stay only she's gonna be permabenched but she's gonna stay only for the um the fans. social media mm. I'm sad to say it. I think Gary deserves to be on a team. I do. I do as well. They're just not giving her... She's being fraggy. Let's be honest here. It, she's being fraggy. It does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? I do feel bad for her. What uh, do you think I about Flatter, though? What do you think about the, the Flatter pickup, if it's true? makes sense, because who did, who did soldiers get? Profit. Profit and Flatter would be fighting for that first place. I or think. they'd be the scariest fucking DPS duo in history, one but or the they, other. They, I think they overlap too much. Yeah. With their, the with their player pool? Yeah, I think you're right. What about what do you think about the Runaway main support, Lee J Gone? Runaway uh, put in a bit of a stellar showing this year at the Gauntlet and some other things. Um, renowned, of course, for basically becoming Vancouver Titans the first time around. Uh, Runaway, for those of you that don't know, in Contenders Korea, Runaway are kind of there's two streamers, a guy called Runner and a guy called Fla a guy, a girl called Flowervin, uh, who own this team basically. And uh, Runaway have this crazy amount of support in Korea because all of their merchandise is like pink and fluffy and like nice. Like it's they have so, like it's so good. It's it's really good. Yeah, I actually am gonna buy I, a shirt. I wish I wish I had a Runaway jersey. <laughs> But uh, so so all of the runway got signed as a group for and basically became Vancouver Titans. And then mm -hmm. Flowervin and Runner, uh, Runner came back finally from the military. Everyone in Korea has to serve in the military for a certain period of time. So all he had men, to go and do that. I think. Men, I don't yeah, know sorry. Applies yeah. to women. Um, so he finally came back from the military. But now they have this other team they put together, put in a, a crazy good run. And Lee Jae Gon was one of the, the backbones of that. So I think that's a huge pickup for Shanghai, because even though I think Luffy's pretty good i thought coma was okay they weren't exactly renowned for having the best support line so i think that's going to be huge for them uh let's talk toronto shall we this is the other this is the other team that i think is setting themselves up real nicely to be one of the best teams in the league all right so toronto as we mentioned earlier has kind of gone for the superstar team side of things as opposed to the budget side of things, but has decided rather than having a Korean superstar team like uh, Philly and, and some of those other teams have gone for, uh, they've hired all these extra Korean players and they're going for the Western thing. So they have released Gods, uh, I'm 37, Aid, and Sharik. Uh, and by the way, I'm 37, Guy had the shortest lived career. <laughs> 
forever. Like he went from trials to contenders to Owl in like two months, and then he's already been let go from Owl. It's like, the, what the I'm fuck? forty-seven seconds. Career. Yeah, like and it was so <laughs> bad. Like oh, he was good too. He's a good player. Anyway, uh, they re-signed Rocky. Thank you for pointing that out earlier. They released Yakpung. They re uh, sorry not re-signed. They signed Kareev. Arguably one of my favorite players ever. Uh, Kareev, I think. Can we, can we talk about his turnaround and how awesome that was? Kareev? From pe- people being people were being real hard on Kareev, and then he uh, he was he switched from deep. Did he switch from DPS to support? Support to DPS? Whatever. He's, way, he's like, support switched player, to support. You know? That's yeah. what it was. He switched to support and just like fucking went nuts. Kareev's like, sleep darts. Anna, he, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. His sleep darts. Who, buddy? Yeah, his I've seen him sleep like consistently sleep Pharaohs like 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 nobody's business. He's insane with a sleep dart. Uh, they also signed Agilities uh, and they sent Ivy to Philadelphia, and that was a trade. We uh, they got in return Beast or Beast Halo as he was known uh, on the Fusion University team. They also signed Mr. Lane Shorefor Roberts uh, and Kellex. Uh, from Boston, and Nevix from San Francisco. So, Jesus Christ, what a team. So you have Rocky, Kareev, Agilities, Beast Halo, Shore 4, Kellex, and Nevix uh, currently are the roster for Toronto. Notable, I don't think they're done either. Notable, Rocky is two-way with Montreal Rebellion. Thank you. Um, no rumors for them yet. Pretty much their rumor mill got fucked the second that uh, it happened like and all, all the of their shit was released. Out to be true. true. All the rumors turned out to be true. Every single one. And uh, it, they, they also, they kept, um, what's his face from Mayhem? <clears throat> the Logics. They kept Logics. Oh, Space yeah. Logics and Mangachu. Man- and and Mangachu. So, yeah. Man- so they, have, they have four DPS right now. My but concern is Agilities. Agilities and Kareev are a duo. With, it, with, the, with the meta being what it is, though, I, think, I don't know because I don't because I think of Agilities is obviously his Genji is what he's known for, but Genji Farah and with double shield going on, you have kind of to consider it, that the meta now is going to be completely it's be different. different oh, from I, yeah. when oh, I know. I think it's uh, we're, gonna have, we're gonna have a new game type, but I think we're gonna talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a just in case. I think it's a just in case situation with Agilities. I'm, I'm like, I, I know this. They he's him a good Kareem. player, but I think he's not very flexible. I also want to to point out they're probably, and this is more of a marketing thing, they're hiring Canadian players. That's oh, true. Because I, they're a Canadian team. Yeah. They have Bell as a sponsor. Bell being one of the biggest telecoms companies, aside from Rogers, in uh, in Canada. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like, that's why I like Shurfor. Like, Shurfor, the signing of, of him going there reminds me of, like, LeBron going to Cleveland, because that's where he's from. Or, like... Having because is actually from out west, so it's kind of funny. But it, but but there's no other other than Vancouver. He's not going to go to Vancouver. It is true. That is true. So speaking but like, to me, that that's cool because you have somebody like more personal to root for. Like Tom said, he wouldn't root for London season one because they're all Korean. He's like, I have no connection to him. If it was Boombox, Kib, uh, Fusions, and all those guys, I would have been all. I would have been a London fan by now. Um, all right, so let's talk about that team, though. The other one from Canada, Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver Titans have no official moves that have been made yet. However, some very big rumors, the biggest of which being that uh, the Titans are looking to trade their main tank, Bumper, because they have allegedly signed former Seoul Dynasty main tank, Fissure. And 
there has been also a lot of rumors that a lot of Vancouver Titans are very mad about this. I yeah, know, they, they, because they played together so long. That's like we talked about San Francisco before. The reason they did so well at the beginning is because their chemistry. I don't think I don't think Vancouver is quote unquote the best team when it comes to stats. When it comes to players, those players I don't think are the best players. But they played the best together, and Definitely. it kind of sucks at the end of the season because we kind of started seeing the cracks. So they got to do something. Yeah, but they play, can't take away the years that these guys have played together. The chemistry they have together. Well, outside of Bumper being allegedly um, on the market, also. So Tizzy is looking for team two and, and Tizzy was the player they had there when bumpers uh, Reinhardt was not meta anymore. So not only are they getting rid of bumper, but Tizzy looks like he is leaving as well. So that does fuel more of the fire behind that Fisher rumor. The other rumor that goes alongside that, uh, and it goes alongside with the Korean integrity thing. Uh, and the fact that Fisher said that he would never play for a team with boosters. Do you remember the other player that said they would never play for a team with boosters? Ryu Jae Hong. Ryu Jae Hong. So, an all-Korean team uh, <laughs> that's going to be living in Vancouver, admittedly, uh, but with... Uh, Vancouver is actually a pretty good place. <laughs> an insane team, though. And then also, like, you have Twilight back there who's already doing a great job, but still, I think that Jae Hong is going to end up on the Titans. I think that's where he's going. I'd be really surprised if it was anywhere else. That or Shanghai. Yeah, I'd be really surprised here's, if they get rid of Bumper. Or maybe Bumper is, a fan, here's, Bumper is here's, such a fan favorite. Here's the thing with Bumper, though, is I think as soon as Rollock became a thing, his value went down. Because one of the things that Bumper was good for is being able to switch roles within the same map. Mm. He could go from DPS to tank as the team needed. And they can't do that anymore. They can't do their triple DPS stuff. They can't do all that they stuff. They also so think... can't put the amount of resources into him anymore because simply there aren't the amount of resources now we're 2 2 2. Exactly. I, I still think Bumper is a really good player and he can clutch, it, cl clutch things out. And I really don't know why Vancouver would want to shake things up and, this much. And especially but if you I can't see why. Well, I was going to say, if you got rid of them, what does that do for the mentality of the rest of the team? Like Tom said, they, they, there's, they're apparently upset about it. Like, could you imagine Vancouver being pissed? Not in the sense of like, hey, we want to we wanna win this for our dude. We're pissed because management fucked us over. Like, there's been so many times where people are just like, they it, don't want to play for the person anymore. It does because they feel make like they you wonder where they're at. It would be at. a test of character because if you're pro players, but you your team falls apart because one person, you get frustrated yeah. that one person is gone. What does that say about how you are as players. I'm just saying it, it. These these players build bonds. If it's like any other sport, like yeah. there's bonds that are made there. That when somebody does leave, it feels depending on circumstance, it does feel like a smack in the face to some. And of those the guys. bond like, of Titans was tighter than most as well, because remember yeah. they were Runaway as well, like we talked about earlier. So it went from Runaway to the Titans, and now to have Bumper leave, that seems a little weird. Um, but you know, such is the nature I, of esports. I see both sides of it. I, I think. I agree. I think if that they get rid of Bumper and this is the thing that screws over titans I, here's a more interesting really to the players here's a more interesting question for you what do you think uh what would you think about philly picking up bumper for main tank um as a reinhardt specialist i don't know how i don't i yeah. think that's too much of a risk because again bumper's value is mostly being able to flex and that's not really a thing anymore and, his, and, his, aggression, and his aggression does cause issues with <laughs> certain situations if you don't like you said if you don't put the resources into them he's like, right. he the if you don't pump healing my ass i will die <laughs> people say that he fed during goats but that was actually their whole freaking strategy is that they put they made the other team waste all their resources on killing bumper 
and, every fight. Yeah, and they would keep so him alive Bumper somehow. Was dead, they're like, oh, we're going to win the fight because <clears throat> Bumper is dead and you have nothing left. So we can just kill the rest of you. That's honestly, like, most of the time that would happen. I'd see, oh, Bumper's dead. Oh, wait, they just won the I fight. I think anyway. there was some kind of crazy <laughs> statistic saying the amount of five versus six fights that Vancouver mm-hmm. won was, like, nuts or something like that. It I can't was, remember I want to say it was, like, 60 or 70%. Yeah, it's like, they, like just because one of them died did not mean they were going down. Like, they were really good. They're, uh, they're, the, they're the gold, they're the gold platters where <laughs> the fight's never over. <laughs> so, lastly, uh, the last team that we're going to discuss is Washington Justice, one of the teams that had the unfortunate um, example of being basically Shanghai Dragons for season two for a very long time. They went winless. And uh, people were very, very concerned about the Justice, rightfully so, I think. They did not have a lot going on team-wise. And then, as beautiful as it always is in Overwatch, the meta shifted. And suddenly, Washington Justice became a force to be reckoned with right about the same time that Florida did. Uh, what's up, uh, Sia player? Uh, the other guy that popped off was one that's been re-signed for 2020, and that is Corey, who I think is definitely one of these standout players from both Team USA uh, at the, the World Cup, but also in general from like last season. I think Corey was nuts. Uh, he would play Widow into, into Goats sometimes, which is already crazy. But that dude can pop the fuck off. So really happy to see Corey re-signed. Uh, they did release some players though they released sam sam ado hyeno and janice and then they let go of guido and sleepy uh they did re-sign stratus uh they signed roar like i said earlier he did find a home uh they signed tuba uh they re-signed arc and they signed aim god so we have an interesting mix roster here you got Corey and stratus there the two sort of uh us dps and then you have a lot of the players around them are korean roar arc tuba but an aim god aim, aim god has really good english though i yeah i agree aim god has really good english and i think arc has also been working on his english too yeah i think roar played with uh shore for that as well so roar he probably has good english too. so yeah, i think all of the yeah. players that they're getting they either have english experience like i think aim god <laughs> is that english is actually really really good they they have the communication there they have enough people that they would be able to communicate for sure so what do you think about um, about that so far? Though, what do you think about letting go of Guido, Sleepy, Janice? You got hmm. Aim God. You got Aim God in place of Aim God. Uh, I got actually, Boston. yeah, I thought Aim God was one of the best things about Boston for a long time. I was very impressed with him watching like, his Zenyatta. The Sombra stuff. He was very good against Sombra Goats because he would actually stay back purposely out of range of the EMP, right? And then he'd move in with Trance. Yeah. Like, so many times I saw him absolutely invalidate an EMP and all the supers that came in after it. Or yeah. all the supers. I've been playing too much Destiny. All the alts <laughs> that came in after it. Yeah, I thought he was a really good uh, really good player for Boston, so I'm very excited to see him on Washington. Uh, really excited again to see Corey and Stratus. I think they are... I think Corey's obviously more, like, gifted, uh, like, mechanically than Stratus is, but I think Stratus is, a, is an important part of the, the team. is... A, he is the wholesome meme lord of yeah. the league. Yeah. He uses memes in a wholesome way. He's so positive and he is so great. I just love the guy. He is the only DPS player I have a jersey of. There you go. I have his third kit. He was the <laughs> first DPS player I got. I actually most of mine are tanks except for Bonnie and um Stratus. Those are all I have tank jerseys other than that. <laughs> but yeah, right. Stratus, I am so glad to see it back on Washington. So here we go, then. We have uh, 
every single team that we've gone through in this process so far, uh, I think, what would you say is the biggest shock trade of the season so far? I, I honestly, biggest trade or biggest signing? The biggest, like, biggest the biggest the shock, biggest, either way, traders or signing, either way. The biggest shock for me, honestly, that's happened was gesture and profit. Because they were such a, they like, just, even though you consider maybe they do want to play in Korea, just the fan support for them. Gesture is what brought me to Spitfire. Right. <laughs> I, like, my jersey, that, that's a gesture jersey. This is a gesture jersey. And he's the one who changed my, I hated that team, season one. I hated that team so much because of their results. But when I started to look at the players, I'm like, they're all right. I like these guys. And now they're gone. They're gone. I think mine would have to be it's similar reasons as sure for not because I don't think he's a good fit for Toronto, but the fact that the gladiators let him go that yeah. to me is more shock. Cause he was sure for, I would, I think we would all, he was their bread and argue, butter. He was, the, he was the face of the franchise. Yeah. He was their like, bread and butter. He definitely was the one most people thought of. I mean, you do have big goose. You did have hydration, but I guarantee, like I guarantee if you ask anybody who the number, their number one, favorite player on the gladiators gladiators was they're going to say sure for honestly i can think of whenever i thought of uh Glads, i thought of well a fisher when he was there mm-hmm. um and sure for those are the two that came to mind yeah. um, so it just it's gonna be weird seeing grieve also you know i think sparkle is still the biggest shock for me i think sparkle going to paris is still the biggest one that was like that actually what the yeah, fuck i like, think it's because i don't really care about paris so i haven't really thought about it that much. yeah i see i want to like that paris is, that is a big that is a big see, i don't know sparkle that much so it didn't surprise me so, so you know so i actually thought that sparkle was going to be going to london that's honestly what i thought was going to happen. I, yeah but. i mean so here's here's the situation like so the EU always feels pressure in esports because, like, we not only have to show that we're better than America, because obviously why not, but also like Korea as well, right? So like, I think that Paris, a lot of uh, players, not players, fans, wanted Paris to be like a, a sort of an EU super team, if you will. So all those players that were like in the World Cup that were playing for like anywhere in Europe, they wanted Paris to be like that team basically like take the best of those teams and put them on paris but then they kind of went the complete opposite way with it and and i think they they genuinely would have had more success as like being loved and being a franchise that people kind of want to root for if they would have gone that way if they would have made it like an eu you know thing in fact that's largely true and it's really sucks to say it but some of the comments in response to Paris, they were very... Oh, there was racism. Fuck. Yeah, racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was yeah. huge racism. And it, it kind of reminded me of some of the stuff that happens in uh, soccer in Europe. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of racism in soccer, yeah, soccer a lot of, in Europe. A lot of racism in Europe in general, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's not like there's none in America. But, it, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It was weird. It was just weird for me. And, I, and again, not because, like... I don't. I always sound like the guy that's like hating on Korean. I'm not hating on Korean players. I love them. I just. Tom I just, layers, I just really want European teams to have European players, and I yeah. want Canadian teams to have Canadian players and American but teams to have American players. I know. But it's not as good. It's not as good. I look at it as normal sports like NBA, MLB, all that. Very rarely is it nice to have it. Yes, but how often does that actually happen? And that's kind of the mentality. But then, versus the World Cup is like. 
here's my two cents on it is that I, I used to think I still kind of think that way too, but I actually really have started supporting Korean players recently because I just realized Korea has a better culture and they absolutely deserve everything they're getting. Oh yeah. They have such a better culture for In it. Esports for sure. Still treat esports like a joke. Yeah. And that's why we're not seeing people are complaining, oh, we don't have all these people are signing dreams. <clears throat> why wouldn't you? You that know what though? The country is putting out players like nobody's business. You can hire a complete team. I do you think can hire complete contenders <laughs> teams sure. that will fuck over existing. It actually teams. happened, yeah. Um Vancouver, look at Vancouver. Right. So what I was gonna say uh along that <laughs> alongside that though, um yeah, I mean, the players are great and the, and the respect for esports is there. But I think it's turning for America. I think America is starting to become I, more esports heavy. I, I do. don't think it's happening. There was an article. I'm not not as fast as I would like. I know that. But there was an article in Forbes recently that was talking about the growth of esports as being one of the most impressive phenomena of recent the, like, time. The fact that Overwatch League was on ESPN and my dad texted me saying, <clears> hey, that Overwatch <laughs> thing is on ESPN. Blew my mind. I went to a bar and Overwatch was on TV. And that, to me, is so cool. I mean, granted, how many people actually care? There's, an, there's a conversion rate, all this kind of stuff. ESPN It's the fact that general. it's normalizing but, it, though. Yeah. To that point, to that point, too, when Grand Finals, uh, Finals was on, I didn't tell my mother Grand Finals was on. She's like, are you watching Overwatch? And I'm like, I wish I wasn't. Because Vizia Cooper is getting fucking murdered. But <laughs> she, mess she messaged me without me telling her at all. But she's like, oh, is are you watching Overwatch right now? I'm like, how do you know this? And the fact that like ESPN actually has somebody now dead. And again, ESPN, I think, is dying. ESPN's kind of reinventing themselves a little bit. And I think this is is part of it but they have people dedicated to esports now at the worldwide leader in sports that network like yeah. they, they don't have a tv show for it yet. let's not forget they, abc as well i mean ESPN mm -hmm. is good but abc I mean, that's terrestrial fucking television they're yeah they're all owned by disney let's be real disney and, owns everything right TS, tsn which is base, which is just ESPN ESPN in canada. for canada yeah. they actually you you can actually watch overwatch league on the app on um, their TSN app. Yep, you can that's how ESPN is as so well. So I think we're getting to a so place cool. that it's starting to to get there. Though. I mean, look at the, look at look at the the investment so far. <laughs> so you have like the fact that Overwatch League as much or as little money as people are rumored to say that it makes, and I don't think anyone really has all the answers at this point, but obviously they're doing well enough that they have Coca-Cola as a sponsor, Disney is showing their stuff, ESPN, ABC, Lego, you fucking name it. I mean, let's be honest, how, how, how much would Disney love to buy the rights to the Overwatch franchise and use those characters in something if they're superhero it's x-men it's a, a kid-friendly x-men that's what it is so yeah. i so i think that i mean there's a little blood and guts here and there you know when the reaper and stuff but it's uh you know, it's. I think that honestly, we're at this point now where the biggest problem before, and the reason why I think Overwatch and specifically Call of Duty will do really well in esports over here is because Western players prefer FPS. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. We don't like League of Legends as much as Korea does, despite the fact the other, it was made in St. Louis. The other thing that I think is going really well for esports right now, and Overwatch League, I think, is the the leader in it. They may not be the leader in numbers, but the leader in the process is mm. they set it up like a traditional sports league that people understand. Routine and I think names, dividing yeah. in the divisions, north, south, makes it that much easier. Getting rid of the stages makes it that Instead much easier. Instead of having but like cloud nine and, you know, like yeah. team names that they don't know well, when there's a city there. 
You mean yeah, something. or you have the different or you have the different like I can't tell you how many fucking different tournaments there are in general. Like the casual fans gonna watch Overwatch. Like they're not gonna watch contenders, they're not gonna watch Apex, they're not gonna watch any of these things because they're like, I don't care. But Overwatch League is making it like the NFL, like the MLB. They're making it that standard of like, right. this is the best of the best. This is where you're going to watch. And they're setting it up to where I hope they can financially sustain it, but they're setting it up to where they are equivalent in production kind of value to those leagues. And I I feel like it's getting noticed by the casual fan. Like the fact that my dad, like I said, said, hey, this is on ESPN. What is this? Why? This is that Overwatch thing you've talked about. Like that to me is cool because my dad does not care about Overwatch. Whether he watches Overwatch League, I don't care. I don't know. He probably doesn't because it's my dad. But the fact that it's on ESPN is exposing it to more people that may not be non-gamers, but they're sports fans. And I was dead set against esports. Tom can tell you. I thought esports was stupid. I'm a huge sports fan. I love baseball. I love basketball. I love racing. I love all these things. But esports to me is like, why would I watch somebody play a video game? And then I watched Overwatch League, and that was the gateway to it. And it's because I played Overwatch is kind of why I got into it. But now I watch it just for entertainment, and it's even more fun. I mean, we have friends that we play with all the time, like Bertrand and Ashley, and I was starting to watch Overwatch League that never cared about it. You know, it's so cool to the, see. The funny part for me as well was that when I started watching esports, I was watching a game I couldn't play. Like I, CSGO. I've been funny before because like, I what the hell, loved watching CSGO <laughs> because it was such an exciting thing to watch, even though I learned everything that I knew about CSGO from watching it as an esport. Mm -hmm. I'd never played it. Uh, that's where I learned who Semler was. So when Semler came over to start casting Overwatch, I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> He, he went back to CSGO. Yeah, he back to CSGO, yeah. Thank God. <clears throat> he I'm may not, still come I'm, back I'm, for I'm next summer, stage. We don't know. I'm not a fan. I hope he comes back for Hex, because I feel bad. Just like, Hex is just I like, fucked now. I don't want him back in Overwatch League, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, that's he does now. He's and had enough he time. Makes puns. He makes puns that literally make Hex doesn't know what to say. He'll say a pun, and Hex is just sitting there, and you can hear the cringe. You can hear like, <laughs> what do I say in response to this? I do like, the other thing I like that they... they did with the World Cup, and I hope they do next year with the on-site games, is expanding the broadcasters. I love mm -hmm. Doa. I love Monty. They're probably my favorite duo. I know they're not for everybody, but they're my favorite duo. But the fact that they brought in um, Wolf and what was the other dude's name? Achilles. Uh, Achilles. Achilles. Like, I Those love them. Favorites. It's funny because I listen to them in Contenders because I cared about that, but it's it, it's not just players coming up from these feeder leagues. It's the broadcasters, and I hope they continue that, like, yeah, there's ZP is another one that comes to mind. They have like, uh, leg day, uh, and and those guys were doing really well with some of the casting in the World Cup. I think allegedly they're supposed to be pulling in uh, some of those guys to be doing the the localization. Oh, so well, like, it makes sense. They're, so, they're going to be in because like Monty and Doa and Wolf and Achilles, like those those guys used to cast Apex anyway. So they yeah. fucking lived in Korea for the, most of the time they were there. So they would make an obvious choice to send out there. And leg day, what? and and I can't remember who he's with. Like leg and Kiwi as well. Like, she's really good. And I think, think Lecte is someone named Prophet, actually. I think it's Prophet. It's like, I don't remember what that dude's name is. Lecte and someone. Yeah, see if you can find it. I need to look this up. I swear, I'm probably just pulling this out of my ass. So, but I... I love the fact that they are bringing these up, and I think with expanding this, they may not physically expand teams, but I told I, I think I was talking to you about it, Tom. Oh, sorry. Was, like, his last name is Pollitt, which is uh, why I got confused. Like Day Pollitt, his, his last name is uh, Pollitt. So that's okay. why I got confused of Prophet. Sorry. So, so we were talking the other day, Tom, where I was like, how are they going to do the – because I'm a production guy. How are you going to produce this? How are you going to make it to where you can watch it? Are they going to have the local halftime game, or are they going to go back to a desk like they do for NFL where the desk – 
Is the desk going to be in Europe? Is it going to be in America? Is it going to be, are they going to have three different desks for time zones? How are they going to make this all work? Because otherwise, the people at the desk are going to be there fucking all day, let's be honest. But I w- I'm curious to how they're going to do this. I think having the localization for the fans is amazing from the broadcasting standpoint. I, as World Cup show, I mean, obviously they had some issues mm. because it sounds like other things were going on. But if you screw up the broadcast, you screw up the league because that's what people see. And if you screw it up enough, people are going to start losing interest and are going to go elsewhere. So I'm really curious because I think they have I, that halftime show that they did last year was a bit weird at first, but I fell in love with it by the end of it. I thought they'd so concise, so straightforward. Here's what happened. It reminded me of an NFL halftime show. I think it was Monty who said that there's a lot of like skits and stuff that they do at the Overwatch League desk and, and like the analytics and stuff that are um, kind of ahead of their time. Like I feel like people are going to look I... back and. I hate the freaking skits they do. You don't like pre-show. that stuff? I don't watch the pre-show because I think it's so stupid. I like it. It, 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 di- it diverges so much from the sports atmosphere that kind of screws it over for me. He's honestly, <laughs> what makes me, uh, the to get with the atmosphere thing, is it almost feels like a soccer game. <laughs> A lot of the time, is that you hear the crowd and you hear all these but things. When you're watching thing. a soccer game, they still have like a pre-match like chit chat and a post-match chit chat where someone is the freaking yeah, um, you're Godfather. Right. <laughs> like, oh, you're 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 on my side or whatever. That was such a cringy. But thing. I, but I also think that the internet culture though. So the question mm. is, are they trying to? Are is Overwatch League trying to go? "Quote unquote cable and go to ESPN Go Network. Or are they trying? Because they, if they go too far one way or the other, they're going to lose. I think some fans. If they go too far to the cable side, I think it's going to be good for the league. But I think they'll lose people. that are like, well, don't hey, uh, don't, they don't the rights separate go things. up here <laughs> soon? Because Twitch has rights, don't they? Twitch's rights are up. Yeah, so I was going to say so. Yeah. Like, ESPN rights are up. I think they too. are not sure if they're going to resign with rights to Twitch or not. I think they'd be stupid not to personally. I'd say, oh, I think so too. I'd say what they should well, do is keep. Let's those... see Mixer throw a lot of money at them. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> they should keep the stupid skits on the streaming side where people and will leave like them off that. the broadcast. Because on the ESPN side, like I, I'd be more on the ESPN side, even though I don't watch sports that much. I just think the skits are so stupid. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there's some personality <laughs> in like, there. What are these internet kids watching? But there's some personality in there that you don't get that were traditional. Coast. Like, so if I'm watching, like, commentators and stuff, like, maybe I'll like some commentators more than others because I like the way their voice is or I like how hype they get during exciting moments or whatever. Plus, we Cooper is one of, the, one of the best at shouting. Right, so, but when, <laughs> but like, I mean, when it comes to the casters themselves, <laughs> I... I couldn't have given less of a shit about them until I learned more about them. Like when Bren and Sideshow originally like started, I was like, who are these two English doofuses that don't know anything about fucking Overwatch? Like, and I was like, I didn't like them. And then like the more that I started watching, like, I think honestly, Sideshow getting like stuck in Visa Hell and starting to create content by himself was one of the best things that ever happened to all of the casters. Because when people started following casters in their day to day, and like you would have Sideshow like streaming with Bren or you'd have, you know, Zoe and Puckett doing an Overwatch or whatever. They, well, like, they just did a caster thing like last week. Yeah, they have ago. an actual trials team. They have yeah. a caster trials team. That stuff is incredible, and that's what people latch on to. I think it's the personalities of them. Like, so I, I think to an extent, I'm okay with the skits. I think not all of them land, I, but they try. And I, I, I I'm with I, that. 
I still think it works way better on the internet part because I still think you can get you can like the casters on like a more traditional format without having the stupid thing you're like why are they doing a Godfather skit this is stupid like that's honestly I think you can did get you both. see uh, sideshow and Brent cast uh, the games in the World Cup they're a surprisingly good yep. casting duo. They're no, surprisingly I did not, good. I did not watch, watch World Cup because it was too difficult for me to watch. If you can try and watch, like it's like one of the they were in a lot of the lower tier matches, like you know what it was like Iraq versus Australia or whatever. Like they they were in a lot of those, but their casting was but really good. Here's the thing: that's them being serious, though. Eh, I wouldn't say I, that. I don't like it when they're doing these stupid skits. Personally, I just mm. don't. I think a lot of people would be watching it at ESPN. To watch on ESPN would not like those skits either. It's just is really stupid. I'm, I'm going to bring up a thing here that I found an article from April 11th of this year, and it's called Overwatch League Broadcasts Accounts more than for More Than Half of Games Twitch Viewership. The first year of Overwatch League play saw Blizzard Entertainment's class-based first-person shooter become less of an influence influencer-driven game on a Twitch platform and transform into more of an eSport. In 2018, the game had... 248.2 million hours watched and 74.6 million of those came from the main Owl Twitch channel alone. A closer look at the league's rosters for a regular season that spanned from January 10th to June 17th shows just how much Owl has dominated Overwatch viewership. The game's 140.8 million hours watched over that time period was composed of 66.5 hours on just the Overwatch League extreme. Thus far, and again, this is from April, between February and April, in 2019, Owl has grown has grown its share of Overwatch viewership further to a point near the monopolization. Since February 11th, Overwatch's main broadcast alone has accrued 25.4 million hours watched of the 44.9 million hours. That also, I think, is because Overwatch was in a weird space um, mm. from a from mm. just from a balance standpoint and streamer standpoint. But that just shows, like, Twitch, we're thinking it from, like, an Overwatch needing Twitch. I think Twitch may need Overwatch at this point. That's a good and point. And Mixer jumps in there and says... They just took Ninja. Think about Microsoft coming in and saying, hey, we have the biggest, one of the biggest esports things ever exclusively on our platform now. So you've got Ninja, you've got, you've got Overwatch League, you've got whatever other streamers they're going to find. I think right now Microsoft is making a push on their streaming platform. Didn't, and I think, I think Shroud uh, left for Mixer as well. Didn't mm -hmm. you, That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft jumps in here and kind of... It'll be interesting to see. So I think, and with the growth of esports in general, plus you know Microsoft, pretty renowned for being a big part of Call of Duty and like the success of Call of Duty taking off, and I, now you have that and, turning into an esport to like think, this, you know, or the same uh, roster. I think Microsoft, because I saw a Microsoft commercial recently that was showing all these partnerships they have analytically of teams like Renault F1. You know who else? What other organization was in that commercial? Cloud Nine. Yeah. Which team is Cloud9's in Overwatch League again? I forget. Spitfire. Spitfire. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's Spitfire. Hmm. Because they were previously Cloud9. Like, if you look on Wikipedia, their previous organizations are Cloud9. Okay. So, so And they're, the blue is Cloud9 blue. So, so before... I find, it, I find it interesting to, to see what's going to happen with the, the renegotiation, because I think Twitch is... Twitch would make sense. I also hope they renew the ESPN contract or some sort of contract with, like NBCSN would be a good one. Right now, NBCSN it's is a risk. Toughest. It's a risk both ways, though, isn't it? Because it, I mean, obviously, it's a risk for Twitch not to have that kind of viewership because it's huge for them. But on the plus side, uh, you know, this next season for Overwatch League is make or break. Like either this works or the whole league sinks because they're trying. Like the main goal they've had since they set out and started the league was to have this localization happen. So if this fails in any way 
or like it becomes like just a mess of uh, bad broadcasts and player lag and all kinds of stuff like that, then uh, they're fucked. So I think it's a risk on both sides between Twitch and Overwatch League to push this out there together. And I think it's so I think they'll stay with Twitch for that reason alone. But um, but who knows? I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, so there is one more thing I want to talk about before we go. It's been a really long uh, podcast. I'm glad I wanted it to be. We get to discuss some really cool stuff here. Um, but here's the uh, the other part I want to talk about. The one thing, the big thing. Uh, yeah, uh, Overwatch Two. I mean, we have a goddamn. Which I still don't think is really Overwatch Two. It's more of here's a little add-on, but they're it, calling it Overwatch Two. It's gonna be a sec- so. I actually I, I agree with you. I think it's it should be an expansion for existing players. But I I read a really cool article that made me go that makes sense. So two things. One, when you put the number two behind something, the casual fan base, the aka the moms and dads that are buying Overwatch for their kids, are going to buy a new $60 game. That's just the way it is, because they don't know. They're not in it. They don't know what's new. They just know there's a new game with new graphics, new modes, all that kind of stuff. The second thing is, I think I think Blizzard kind of said, hey, we, we screwed up Overwatch to a certain extent initially, and... We want to. We hear you. We we want to expand on it, but we think this is bigger than an expansion. I personally don't think it is. I think it should just be a PVE expansion along with the new graphics engine. But I do. I do. It's like understand it's actually, why they're trying to do two. It actually so. reminds me of what Destiny did with Destiny Two. Even though it wasn't really yeah. expansion, it it's like is 1.5. kind of a new game. It's, it's but 1.5. it literally was the same game except there's a new story. You can't play the old stuff, but they actually have brought a few things back from Destiny One into Destiny 2, notably PvP maps. <laughs> which, I, which I find interesting, because you think of most Blizzard's game, Blizzard in games fact, outside of Diablo, you don't have, like, you don't have WoW 2. In, in fact... WoW. They uh, didn't have StarCraft 2, though. Yeah. On then, Destiny like, 2, uh, the moon. The moon on Destiny 2 is the same as the moon on Destiny 1, except with a few added things. That's, yes. But anyway, that's like this is what so, Overwatch Two reminds me of. Let's like, talk about the reason. I, the reason I think doing a, a two game for an esports perspective is it's going to sell initially, but I also think it's going to get people concerned of like, okay, if they're going to do this every what Overwatch is what four years old at this point, I think. Plus, when did it come out? Twenty third, twenty? No, I don't know. What year were we in? Twenty sixteen, I want to say. Maybe 17? 2019. It's been about three years. It's been about three years. So in this instance, like if you're invested in a game, look at CSGO. CSGO is the same fucking game since launch. Right. People get invested in that game and they do update it. But I feel like from if you're trying to make it an eSport, I think you have to have that base game that's always going to stay consistent, which they are kind of doing with bringing which over. They yeah. are doing. They are well, no, well, they're but they're adding the PVE stuff for the for the home console version. So like that's where I'm like. I understand why they're the doing thing. it, but I think for, they if need to the base game going forward for competitive. If you don't percent. want the PVE part, you don't have to buy it. You get Overwatch 2 for what you want from Overwatch 2 anyway. Like, literally, the client is going to be the same. Oh, I know. Um, it's going to have all <coughs> the stuff that Overwatch 2, like, the UI is going to be changed. So you're let's talk about all of the differences. You're going to get the new PvP mode. Uh, you're going to get the new stuff. Like, let's talk yeah. about all the differences as they stand. So between Overwatch and Overwatch 2, there's an awful lot of overlap, and there's an awful lot of difference. So the main thing that's going to be overlapping uh, are going to be the the bigger things. So, of course, uh, the new game mode. Brand new game mode called Push. Push. Uh, it is going to be... I love that it's a core game mode, not just a new 
game mode. Yeah, a it's a core game. game mode. It's in quick play and competitive. Um, and essentially, it's you're pushing a well, a, a giant robot is pushing something from one end of the map to the, the other, and you have to kind of fight over the point and get it pushed towards your end. Uh, kind of like if, it's like a tug of war. If, yeah, if escort For... was a tug of war, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. For anyone who's played Splatoon, it's tower control. There you go. I literally uh, had someone explain it to me like that. I'm like, I understand this game mode now without having seen a single piece of video about it. <laughs> the cool thing about about Push 2 that I want to point out real quickly is like during I've watched a lot of BlizzCon stuff, obviously, as it's come out and in interviews and all that kind of stuff and just <coughs> journalists writing about it. And I love the fact that they kept saying core game mode. And there was an interview with I can't remember the dude's name. It wasn't Jeff Kaplan. It was the, it was the other big wig over there that said we tried with like Lucio Ball. We tried with Capture the Flag. It just didn't feel right to have those as a, a competitive game mode and and in comp it just didn't feel right to have that as a normal game mode so that means they put a lot of time effort and energy into push to make sure it felt balanced felt right. fair you felt like you didn't have a significant advantage one way or the other and I, I i applaud them for that because i think overwatch needs something other than new maps and new heroes all the time i'm wondering so alongside that they have four new maps as well that they have announced toronto gothenburg monte carlo and rio de janeiro um do you think all four of those are going to be push maps or do you think that push is going to be implemented in some way to existing maps well, or I would argue that rio de janeiro is not a new map because well, Lucio Balls in Rio de Janeiro. That's well, a stadium. You could, say, you could say that Busan's on a new map from when it became a control because they have Busan Stadium that came out yeah. before. Mm. So I, I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> but, no, I don't. I think I don't think they will all be push maps. I think I Toronto think push, looks like control to me. Yeah, I think there will be more push maps, and I'd be curious to see how they're gonna because they they've also said that the uh, existing map maps. Map? Yeah. yeah the, well, the existing maps are going to get upgraded, or they're going to get like some of the new game modes. So I'm yeah. curious what. Yeah, they're supposedly I, I changing exactly a couple what things. They said. They're changing something with the, with the old maps. They're getting some of the new game modes. So how are they going to do that? Like to yeah. me, if you think of um, Nubani, Nubani is a perfect push map. I if mean, you take away the first capture. Realistically, point. any escort map is a push yeah. map. So yeah. you know, so I'm, Gibraltar I'm, I'm, really easy to make a push map. Uh, and I, I think they're going to take it the maps that are less played or the maps that are less exciting and mm. make those push maps potentially. I, I I don't know why they haven't already implemented in a, a map chooser like a veto. Yeah, like choose which one you prefer. Well, they have done something. I'm pretty sure competitive just got to change that this competitive season actually has a pool, which they the are Horizon disallowing. and Paris are not in. Yeah, but it, but or Junkertown. By the way, Junkertan's not but in I, there either. I agree with you. Most most competitive shooters, and I don't play that many, but you have some sort of veto within the lobby. Like you get a so you get a list of three maps. You get Nubani, you get Junkertown, and you get Ilios. Right. And you can vote for which map you either want to play for or which or one don't. you don't want to play for. Uh, so. We have multiple heroes that are going to be hitting as well. They said there's going to be a bunch of them that are all hitting at the same time, which God only knows what that's going to look like as far as the meta so, is concerned. Yeah, Sojourn, Sojourn is but confirmed. Echo and Sojourn are the only two that have been 100% confirmed at this point. Um, Echo showing up in the uh, the main cinematic the that they showed, and then Sojourn so. showing up in the gameplay trailer that they showed. Apparently Sojourn is going to be a huge part of the story in Overwatch 2, um, so that should be interesting. Also, we're Worth pointing Another out that she has an amputated there was a arm. Comment. There was a comic today. Oh, I didn't the actually read thing? that yet. I just shared it with you. Yeah, I didn't read it yet. But Sojourn, apparently, in the comic, Mercy says Sojourn has been laying low in Canada. Oh. So I think she's going to have some sort of tie to the Toronto map. Agreed. 
Uh, I do remember there's that one scene of gameplay where like she jumps and like flips and it looks like her arm is a gun. Did you see that? Like her arm just has like I a gun. I actually have not watched the gameplay trailer. Oof, it's crazy. I watched the cinematic. You should actually, watch I think the gameplay trailer. I watched trailer. part of the gameplay trailer, and then someone sent me a text message, and I forgot to watch the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. And the other, the other thing that's going across both is going to be the updated engine, look, and UI, which uh, that as surprises well. me. To me, that would have been the selling point of why to buy Overwatch Two if you're a PvP person. Like, I get why from a fairness standpoint, it makes sense. So everybody's playing on the same platform, but to me, that would have been a reason for those PvP people that may not care about PVE to do the upgrade. Right. Here's the thing: I don't think they're really trying to get the PvP only people to buy Overwatch Two. I think they're trying to get people who got pissed off of the game because they wanted pve stuff back my yeah. my big my big concern though with having two games simultaneous is jeff kaplan has come out and said the reason there's been no overwatch one updates is because overwatch two now they're gonna have to support no, two wait. games theoretically the same platform. He, the thing is that can you, can you say the something? client's gonna be the same can you hear me can you hear me i've lost all sound so sorry for the uh, weird update and ending to this podcast, folks. But um, during the recording, sometime uh, towards the second hour, uh, we were in the middle of discussing Overwatch 2, and uh, my my microphone kind of like messed up, and my headphones messed up. I couldn't hear anything coming from the uh, the other two um, hosts of the show. So uh, we ended up uh, trying multiple things, but uh, were ultimately unsuccessful in trying to re-establish our call, our Skype call and uh and, and start talking again so unfortunately this one does end a little bit soon so you have my deepest sincerest apologies for that however um we are done with off-season stuff now we're going to be start thinking about the 2020 season and of course uh up to that point we're going to have plenty to talk about with overwatch 2 and all of the other news that's going to be coming out surrounding that so you can expect to see more hero recall uh coming back very very shortly and a more regular uh pace and of course in the meantime, if you wish to uh, follow us on Twitter, you can go to at Hero Recall OW. And uh, we'll see you there. So once again, so, so sorry for the abrupt ending. Thank you for sitting it out for us. And uh, drop a comment so we know that you want to see us come back and uh, with more content uh, following the year.